is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. Yes, yes, yes. It is Monday. Not Tuesday or Thursday. It is Monday. For another show of the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, how's your grandfather doing? He is feeling a little better. He actually, unfortunately, dealt with COVID last week. So he's feeling a little better, a little more relaxed, luckily, but still not in the greatest shape yet. He's been coughing a lot. He's really been like, have you been around. coughing? I have not. No, I was asymptomatic. You better not give me COVID. No, no, no. I was negative. I tested, and my grandmother is negative, luckily, as well. But unfortunately for them, they were going to go to the Mets game that I was at last night. Mm. On you enjoyed that? Baseball. Yes, it was. It was a great game. And because yeah, the Mets won. The Mets won, and they, they scored five runs in the sixth inning it was it was a great offensive performance finally and also we got to see some of the uh, some of the new clubs that they have inside of city field too because we actually got some of the tickets that were part of a sale a while ago so we saw the inside of the piazza club and also the uh, the jim beam one in right field too which was very very good and had some good food as well so it was a, a very good experience i had uh two of my three brothers went my uncle and my parents all went and my father just texted a couple couple hours ago we actually made it on tv a little bit for the on the alonzo home run no there you go Uh, well i will say this i know a lot of people probably wondering why we're doing the show tonight Mm -hmm. not tomorrow um i'm actually doing an event tomorrow so we will not have a show tomorrow we're doing the show tonight and thursday there is somebody special filling in for me on thursday night uh that will be josh silverberg he will be joining speedy Petey. Uh, to fill in at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. And then we'll be back in order next week on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, until we change our times. We're working on uh, time change in August. So uh, get ready for that as August is right around the corner. It's crazy how fast (laughs) July went. Summer's almost over. Thank God. This heat is terrible. Oh, it was so bad at the game, too. It was like 94. (laughs) I mean, everywhere I walk, everywhere I talk. I mean, right now, outside here in Long Island, it is 86 degrees. Mm-hmm. 86 degrees, and it's 9 o'clock at night. Uh-huh. It got to the point yesterday at like 10.30, it was still 94 degrees. I can't stand this weather. I can't stand sweating. I can't stand, you know, when I'm healthy enough to go to the gym, to go to the gym and sweat. It, it, it's like I'm in a sauna. Every time I'm lifting a weight, I feel like I am I might as well go into the sauna and do it. Yeah. It's, it, it's actually probably... 
hotter outside the sauna than it is inside. <laughs> so go go bench reps the uh, the benches in the sauna. <laughs> it's horrible, absolutely horrible. But uh, we're happy to do the show tonight. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy tonight's show. At nine thirty, we'll be talking to Dean of Nick's Film School, John Macri. He'll be joining us, and at ten o'clock, we'll be talking to former Broncos, Raven, and Jet defensive lineman Trevor Price. He'll be joining us. We haven't talked to Trevor in a while. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first football players we had on. Yes, and he was awesome. Yeah, he by was the way. Yes. absolutely. I remember him on the Broncos. Yeah, when uh, I think he beat the Jets in '98. Yeah, he mistaken. was on both Super Bowl teams. Yeah, as so, a young player. Uh, we haven't spoken to him in a very long time. It's been mm-hmm. like it's about at least three years. He was one of the originals. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. So Trevor's joining us a little bit later in the show. So very excited to have both these special guests joining with us. Uh, we're going to get it to the Celtics interested in Kevin Durant and uh, some talks that Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart could be the main pieces in the trade. Raptors, Wizards, and Hawks, latest teams to trying to trade for Donovan Mitchell. Matthew Kachuk traded to the Panthers. Flames get a big haul back with Uyghur and Haberdoom. So we'll get into that. Uh, Cardinals and Giants emerge as the favorites to get Juan Soto. If the Giants get Juan Soto, there is no Aaron Judge. No, no. <laughs> there is no Aaron Judge. So maybe Yankee fans will be very excited to see Juan Soto go to the Giants because then uh, you can scratch the Giants out of those sweepstakes. Yeah. So uh, I can't see Aaron Judge wanting to go anywhere else but, you know, San Francisco. It, I mean, that's his hometown. That's who he, he grew up rooting for. I mean, his family's over there. A lot of people expect him to part ways with the Yankees and go over there. But yeah. if that doesn't happen and he, Soto goes there, uh, maybe the Yankees do get their guy and they get him on a better price. But we'll see what happens uh, moving forward at the trade deadline. Yankees lose Michael King for the season. Should they go after another piece at the trade deadline, we all know Brian Cashman will probably be doing that. Uh, Luis Castilla has been a name that has been talked about, not only with the Yankees, but with the Mets and some other teams. Uh, the Houston Astros are very interested in him. So uh, he is a hot ticket right now. All-star three. I know his record's three and four, but his ERA is 2.77. His, his whip's almost under one. It, it's He's having a good season. He's just on a crappy team. So, yeah. um, And could the Jets... Somehow make a move for Jesse Bates. The Bengals have not signed him. Uh, he is not very happy. The Jets do have money. I think they're about thirty-six or thirty-eight million under the cap. So if they want Jesse Bates, they can get him. Uh, and and there were stories coming out before they you know before the season was over that the Jets were very interested in Bates. Yeah. And then I heard that Bates got signed. He was getting signed four years, and I guess he didn't take it. No. I, 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 which I. I was very surprised. But uh, Bates wants to be a high-profiled uh, safety. And now they didn't pay Jamal Adams, so why would they pay Bates? But I don't think Bates is going to be asking for Jamal Adams' money. So Nor I, will Bates supply the amount of uh, loud talking that Jamal Adams did. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say Bates wants between 68 and $70 million. Right. And probably about $36, 38000000 million guaranteed. So uh, if the Jets really want Bates to really solidify this defense, and if they get Bates, I mean – you, you can't tell me that this secondary isn't the best secondary in football. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's going to be very impressive if they do make a move like this. But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But let's get into Kevin Durant because it seems like it's a talk of the town right now. It's been the talk of the town because Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets are trying to part ways. It, it seems like it's inevitable. 
And a lot of the teams that we've been talking about, like the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors, or even I've heard the Hawks be called up, you know, in in trade talks, even though they landed a big-time point guard. But I'm not surprised that the Boston Celtics are now the lead candidates to get Kevin Durant. And the reason why is, as good as Jalen Brown is, as good as, obviously, Jason Tatum is, they have been on this team for about five, five years together. And in the last five years, even though they've been to a finals, they haven't won. They couldn't get over the hump. And even adding, uh, like, Brogdon in, in the offseason, and Brogdon is a good point guard. The guy can't stay healthy. So you can't depend on Brogdon as your lead guy in the offseason that's going to help you get over the hump against the Golden State Warriors that really romped you in the finals. Kevin Durant, I would think, would be a big, huge piece to that puzzle. And it's been a, a problem for the Celtics for years. I mean, they had Kyrie Irving there. It didn't work out with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You added that superstar. And then you, you, over the years before that, it, it only worked once with K, KD. I mean, sorry, KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. You, you talk about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is probably one of the more prolific offensive players in this league. This guy can score anywhere on the court. He reminds me of a better Jason Tatum. Now, if you have Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant, that opens up the court for so many possibilities. Now, the question is, what do the Celtics have to give up for KD? Now, we have heard the Brooklyn Nets want the bank for him. We've heard... Uh, that the Suns offered him DeAndre Ayton, uh, what was it, Bridges? It was and Bridges and Cam Johnson. Cam from- Johnson in three or four first-round draft picks, yep. and they still wouldn't take it. And we've heard Golden State supposedly was interested in trading Wiggins, which uh, there are some stories that Golden State's going to have to trade Wiggins. Yeah, they're going to have trouble keeping him with the way the salary cap is for them. So Wiggins, Draymond Green, I heard, possibly Poole and Wiseman going for Kevin Durant and somebody else. But it seems like it is inevitable that seeing what's going on right now, that none of these teams are going to give the Brooklyn Nets what they want. So what the Brooklyn Nets are going to try to find is players that can win right now, that can help you win right now. Maybe not get you over the hump, maybe get you in the playoffs. I mean, Jalen Brown is a good piece I don't remember. He only has two years left on a contract. He could stay over there with the Brooklyn Nets for two years, and then when he becomes a free agent, unrestricted free agent, he can hop and go back to Brooklyn. I mean, Boston. He can do that. Mm-hmm. And KD's still there because he's under a three-year deal. And then you have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and, and KD if they can't win in the next two years. But I am not surprised that Brad Stevens and the Brooklyn Nets are trying to negotiate a deal. Now, we heard uh, last week it was Utah that was very intrigued and very interested in him. But obviously, Danny Ainge has loved KD, really, since he's been with the Boston Celtics. It just never came to fruition. Now you look at this team, and you, you, you go back and forth, and you're trying to wonder what the Brooklyn Nets are going to do if they can't move him. Is, is, are they going to have problems before the season starts to get him in the same arena with Kyrie Irving? Or Ben Simmons, are they going to be able to play together for a full season if they can't move both these guys or at least one of these guys? Now, 
When I look at this story, I'm not surprised that Marcus Smart is involved with it. Marcus Smart was Defensive Player of the Year last year. I was very surprised. Yes, I was wrong about him. <laughs> For everybody who wants to throw me under the bus, throw me under the carpets, throw me like a piece of dirt, I don't care. I was wrong about Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart has to be a piece in this trade. You can't just trade Jalen Brown in three or four first-round draft picks. It's not going to work. And I don't know how Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets could actually agree to that kind of trade. Marcus Smart is an all-star. You get two all-stars for one of the great players in this league. And when healthy, he's a top-five player. It's not even an argument. And it gives you another reason why you want to watch the Boston Celtics this year. Because the Boston Celtics will definitely be one of the favorites to come out of the East, Speedy. Yeah, it was interesting because I actually thought at the time when he went to Golden State that the Celtics were going to be the lead team for him. And it definitely showed the interest that Danny Ainge had at the time with the Celtics in that identity there. And Brad Stevens, obviously still being the coach there now in GM, definitely should have been one of those guys pursuing him all along. I'm surprised the Celtics rumor really only emerged just now, too, because of all the young talent that they have. Now, it's I think initially the Nets wanted Robert Williams, and Robert Williams, I think, has the same contract stipulation that DeAndre Ayton does where he can't be traded until later in because of the rookie rule and all that stuff so that he was out of it so the next thing the Nets need for defense is a guy like Marcus Smart so I think it makes a lot of sense for the Nets in terms of what they want what they're trying to pursue at this point and I think with the hefty packages they've looked at before with the Timberwolves as well with the Warriors and the Suns like we've mentioned maybe this is like that next step down for the Celtics in terms of making it reasonable finally at this point this is I think the first trade that looks really fair for both sides too the Celtics lacked offense big time and really hindered in the hindered them in the NBA finals in the last three games of that. And the Celtics defense, I don't think will it'll lose some for sure without smart, but I said there's still gonna be a top ten unit, I would imagine, with that coaching staff. They still got Williams there. Williams will be healthier for longer. And I think it'll work well for their offense, assuming Durant stays healthy. Now that's a big question mark at this point in his career. But that's the scorer they need. That's the shooter. On his own, the Celtics definitely need to make that next step going forward. I think this is a really fair trade for both sides if that's what they do. It's interesting when you, when you talk about the Celtics and, and where that organization really is going to go uh, without Jalen Brown or maybe even Jason Tatum. Now, there were stories coming out that the Nets really wanted Jason Tatum. Sure. And Brad Stevens says he's untouchable. Now, I thought Jalen Brown was the best player of that team throughout the playoffs. All around, he was the best player for the Celtics. Now, Jason Tatum has, you know, obviously has shown throughout certain playoff series, especially with the Brooklyn Nets, why he's special. But Jason, to me, Jason Tatum isn't Jalen Brown because he doesn't play two-way basketball as well as Jalen Brown. Now, I am not a Jalen Brown fan, as everybody knows. I remember when he was drafted. He was, I think, the fourth pick. He was in the third the, pick. Or third pick. I, I, you weren't the only one that was surprised. A lot of people were. Everybody yeah. was surprised, but he really turned out to be a fantastic player. He fits everything a team was looking for defensively and offensively. He gives you about 22 points, 23 points a game. He gives you a shutdown defender at the perimeter. He can play multiple positions. He does everything right, and he's a good rebounder for a guy his size. Uh, Very athletic, by the way. Very athletic. Probably the most athletic on the Celtics. But when you when you look at this team as a whole, the Celtics aren't going to win. If, if they were going into the season this year 
with Jason, J- Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown again and Marcus Smart, even with Brogdon, I still don't think they have enough. I mean, obviously, everybody knows about Chris Middleton. If he was in that lineup, there was no way the Celtics were going to beat him. Okay? And Chris Middleton will be back this year. The question is, how healthy is he going to be? He's going to be one year older. And and the Bucs are still fairly young. And they have arguably one of the best players in the league in the prime of his career. So I I don't think the Bucs are going anywhere. But with the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets are trying to find the best way where they can contend this year or even stay as a playoff team this year and not worry about losing Kevin Durant and really taking the press and being attacked by the press throughout New York State. But with with this particular trade, they got to make sure they get as much as they possibly can because KD is gone. He's gone for good. And they have to decide... If they keep Kyrie Irving and have Ben Simmons, you had Marcus Smart and Jalen Pratt, that's a playoff team. That's a good team. I, I mean, that's that front – at least four out of the five guys, two or maybe even three of them are all-stars. So and maybe even full four of them. So if you have Ben Simmons, who gives you the defense, the perimeter, and Marcus Smart, you're talking about a team that wasn't as great of a defensive team last nope. year to being one of the better team defensive teams in the in, in the NBA in the Eastern Conference because Ben Simmons is an all-world defender and so is Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown isn't too shabby either so you have three guys that could defend it don't matter if Kyrie can't defend it don't matter because and he's not bad but he's not great you had three shutdown defenders on that team even with the veterans that they have and the young players that they have i think the Nets are a playoff team easy with, with the players that they're getting out of the trade. So I think it works. It's interesting because you bring up Simmons if he does end up playing and he ends up getting, being on the court, buying in finally. He will play this year. That does make them, I guess, more of a defensive identity type team. Now, Kyrie Irving will provide a lot more with the offense. Jalen Brown, if he transitions well into the Steve Nash, whatever his system is, I have no idea what his system is because it seems like he's a figurehead coach. But nevertheless, if he can play as well as he did, if he, as he did with the Celtics last year. Does and this right. make the Celtics better? Uh, I think offensively it would. Does but... this make the Celtics better? Do you think getting KD, does this get them over the hump? Does this make them the favorites out of the Eastern Conference? No, I would still favor the Bucks, like you said, when healthy too. But it does give them the offense they lacked in the finals too. Because it seemed like when one of Tatum or Brown went cold, it really hurt them. And I think that was a big problem they had more in the regular season than a lot of people realized too. So maybe Kevin Durant's that guy if he performs in the playoffs again. I think, and I know Jeff's coming on, oh, so yes. I, I just relax, okay? Because I know you're ready to throw him right through, and I, 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 I'll put him through when I'm ready. I, I will go back to this. You look at the Brooklyn Nets right now, the, even with KD, I am still questioning what this team is. If you add Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart to Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, I think you have a better chance to win. I really do. It, it's it's so unique. It's so interesting when you talk about two dominant players in KD and Kyrie Irving and why they don't want to play on the same team in Brooklyn, in New York City, in a place that it fits, it works, really for both players. They want to they take their brands to higher heights and take it to another level. They're in the biggest city in the world, and they just don't want to be here. So if they don't want to be here or they don't want to play together, supposedly Kevin Durant wants to play with Kyrie. He'll get traded in the same place. I don't believe that. I think there's a big problem inside that locker room, and they don't like each other. Mm-hmm. Now let's go to Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, bud? 
Yeah, very interesting take out of you. I, I agree with with most of what you've said about you know about this rumor about the show. By the way, great rumor, right? Josh Silver Silverberg doing great work with rumors. <laughs> uh, but I, I I would have to disagree with you on on one point. What's it? Uh, you know, you're saying Marcus Smart is an elite defender. I heard he wasn't very good. Uh, again, if you listen to the beginning of the show, I took back what I said in the beginning of the season and what I said about him. So you're obviously not listening to what I had to say. I took back what I said about Marcus Smart. I said that Marcus Smart really showed me that he could play at the position and one of the best defenders at his position in the league. And and adding Marcus Smart in this trade with Jalen Brown, if it ever happens, if it happens, which seems like it's it's starting to grow legs, and if it does. KD goes to the Brook, uh, the Boston Celtics. Brooklyn gets, and they keep Kyrie because I don't, I don't see them trading him. Then they keep Kyrie. They have Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. You have three dominant defenders on the Brooklyn Nets. I think the the Nets automatically become one of the more defensive, better defensive teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they could. I, you know, it's a it, it, it's a tough tough trade for me. I, you know, I don't know if I like it. I can't say that I don't like it. Uh, but I can't say that I really, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing for me, you know, trading away a good young player in Jalen Brown uh, and getting a guy much older doesn't seem great. But at the same time, Jalen Brown only has two years left on his contract and is likely to probably sign somewhere else. And yeah. he has four years left on his. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a win-win all the way around. I don't, I don't know how I feel about him. Very torn. All well, I do know is Marcus Smart's not a very good defender. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Definitely not top 10 in the league. Right. Well, I will say this. I, I think it works for both teams. And, and Jalen Brown, if he decides to leave the Brooklyn Nets, if this happens, they the Boston the Boston Celtics could get Jalen Brown back in two years. And if they don't win with Kevin Durant and, and Jason Tatum, they'll, they'll have a chance to bring in Jalen Brown again. And remember, I know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are very good friends. They, they, they both date people in the industry. Obviously, Jason Tatum's girlfriend introduced – uh, Jalen Brown to his girlfriend, and and they're very close. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown is Jason Tatum's son's godfather. I, I'm not positive about that, but I, I'm pretty sure that he is. So it, it's so interesting when when you talk about Jalen Brown. And I don't. And, and you heard, you saw Jalen Brown what he did on Twitter. He he put he posted up when he heard this trade rumor. He he put SMH shaking my head. So. He's not happy about it, but again, this is a business. This is a business, and if the Celtics believe KD is the missing piece piece that could take them over every single year in the Eastern Conference, that'll give you a chance to win, and it might not be the only piece because the Celtics still have money. They could go after another player to play with KD and Jason Tatum. I think, I'll tell you, Jason Tatum is very much alike uh, on the talents of KD. I think they're very alike in a lot of ways. And I think KD could teach Jason Tatum a little bit more about the game. So I think it fits, and maybe Jason Tatum becomes even more prolific offensively than we ever thought that he could. I mean, can you imagine having the first team all-NBA player and the second team all-NBA player on the same team at the same position? We all know We all know. <laughs> if KD goes there, he's the best player on that team. We all know that. And anybody that, that argues I that. I didn't say anything about <laughs> I know what you're saying. I, it was I, the, I, we I heard the inadvertent dig. I know what he's I, saying. All I, all I did was state facts. Okay? <laughs> I said it would be quite wild to have the 
first team All NBA player at that position and the second team All NBA player at that position. I figured you would that say something insane. like that. I figured you would say something like that because uh, you are adamant to tell me throughout the the last couple of weeks that Jason Tatum was a first team player and Kevin Durant was he the was. second team. Was he not? Yeah. Was he well, not? the only reason why he was because Katie didn't play more than fifty eight games this year. And and. Speedy? Yes, he played 56 games. We went nope. to this discussion. Oh, go ahead. He's going to say no, his no thing. Speedy. Say it. No say it. Hit him with the, say the line, Speedy. Say it. Oh. What is the best availability? Availability. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, guess what? Who's the better player? KD. No argument there. So, well, I, 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 I will tell you this. I will tell you this. If KD goes over there. Uh, to the Boston Celtics, I I would say that they automatically jump as the favorite to come out of the East. I, uh, I, I don't I, I don't think that there would be a question, right? Because you, listen, would you would you miss would the Celtics miss Marcus Smart? Yes, because he's like their energy guy. He's their spark plug. He's the one that gives them their you know their motivation. Sometimes, on the other hand. They may, not defensively, but certainly offensively, they would have upgraded this offseason and getting Malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. if he stays healthy. And I don't want to hear about health be, and, and have you knock uh, Brogdon's health after you're building KD up after he missed all of his games. So you can't have that one both ways either. Brogdon is probably an upgrade over Marcus Smart. And you'd have to say KD would be an upgrade over Jalen Brown. Mm. I mean, as far as right now goes, maybe not in the future. Maybe Jalen Brown could blossom into a terrific player in his own right and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I would say that they would have upgraded. I think they definitely upgraded. KD to that team, you are absolutely taking offensively a boost up. I mean, Jalen Brown's a good player. Marcus Smart's a good player. KD is an all-world player. He's still an all-world player. Top five player. He was an MVP candidate last year before he got hurt. He was averaging 28 Eight and I think six or something or five. He was having his best passing season. He was playing. He was playing and defensively, he was all world last year uh, when he was in the lineup. So he was. Yeah, I think the real benefit for the Celtics in the trade was if, if you if you look at how the playoffs like shake shook out last year, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you watched any team, any team doesn't matter. If you watched Milwaukee and the game was on the line, the ball went to Giannis. If you watched. Uh, I don't care. Golden State, it's going to step. If you watch the Heat, the ball's going to Jimmy Butler when you need a basket. The Celtics didn't really have a guy that can definitely go get you a bucket when you need one. And that would change if they had Kevin Durant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's a closer. He's one of the best closers in the NBA. That's that's all that was lacking last year because there was a lot of questions last year. Like, okay, three, two seconds left. Who's getting the ball? Is it going to be Brown? Is it going to be Tatum? Is it going to, you know... Are they going to pass the ball to a third guy? Because Derek White was hitting shots. Right. And and some of the other guys were, were kind of stepping up. So, you know, there was that question, who's the go-to guy? And they kind of didn't really have one. It would change that narrative. They'd be like, oh, five seconds left, throw to KD. He's going to make a bucket. He can get to the bucket whenever he wants. And even then, if he was going to the bucket, he could pull up where he does that, like, little seven, eight-foot mm-hmm. baseline jumper that he has that he makes every time, too, that's crazy. So it, it would be big for them to have somebody you know that can put it in the hoop when you need to. They become much longer, too, if they, if they get KD. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're Are you kidding? Yep. Could you imagine that group of freaks? Like, think about the Jason Tatum is 6'10 and moves like he moves, which uh, 
that's a physical freak, Tatum, yeah. to be that big. KD, I think he's seven six, feet. Six, 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 eleven. Six, ten, two, forty, according to basketball yeah. reference. I think he's yeah, six, he eleven. It might be bigger. It mm-hmm. might be bigger, right? And then think about that. They have another freak on that team. Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. Look out, look out. They're big, and they, they will be a big team in the Eastern Conference. Something that a lot of people thought was a problem for them. And they still have Al Horford there, who's pretty big, too. So, a seven-foot guy. So, you're he a pretty— be best, He might be the best old player I've ever seen. <laughs> they, they have a pretty I mean, big roster. They do. I mean, is he playing the best basketball of his career at, like, what is he, 37? Yeah, yeah. he's playing great basketball. He, he was in the playoffs. Uh, he was fantastic. One of the main reasons why— uh, they stayed in that Golden State Warriors series. I, I mean, he made some big shots. Uh, he fell apart later in the series, and I think that you – know, but, again, I don't expect an old guy to really be as dominant as he was when he was younger, but he, he's he played terrific. very well. He yeah. was playing very he was well. Terrific. Jeff, we're going to go to – This trade, trade necessarily helps Brooklyn either, though. I think it does because it gives him the defense, and, and I think with what they have with Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons – and obviously Marcus Smart, you have a dominant three guys that are all-world defenders. All three of them are all-world defenders. Yeah, but you, you basically have to trade all of them, though, right? This has to be the game plan for Brooklyn, right? Is be, okay, they're going to get – because beyond those two guys, it's rumored that they'll be getting three first-round picks and yeah. then two pick, pick swaps, right? So mm-hmm. that is what it is. But you'd have to think – Th- those three guys alone aren't going to be enough. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Ben Simmons. Dude, everyone in the league hates Ben Simmons. But, but they don't think he can play. So wouldn't you think they're going to just trade those guys to other teams just to garner more draft picks and try to build their team that way? We will talk more about this because we got to get to our guest, Jeff. Call back a little bit later. Thank you for calling, Jeff. Perfect. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Marcus Smart, not very good. I'm <laughs> <laughs> from Tampa. Such a pain in the butt. He is one of the biggest pains in the you-know-what, okay? I sit here every day, and I, I'm waiting for his call because I'm waiting for his attack. He went and for that's the, why. He went for the sneaky he dig always, with the no, thing. He goes for the jugular all the time. He really does. I, I mean, seriously. And I, I don't understand why he does it, but hey, listen. That, that's Jeff for you. Jeff from Tampa. Uh, maybe he'll sink to the bottom of the ocean. I'm just kidding, Jeff. We love you. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to Dean of Nick's Film School, Jonathan Macri, here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mounts. Hey! 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 <laughs> Feels like I'm at a bar mitzvah, Speedy. Interesting. <laughs> Never would have thought I would have heard that word on this show. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, Nick's Film School. Hmm. Must be Friday night every night. I was laughing at that. Thank you, Carl. Yes, Carl. Thank you, Carl. I... You know, Carl is from Chicago. He's not a Knicks fan. So uh, anytime he wants to dig, he might as well dig at the Knicks. Why not? Anyways, uh, very happy to have him back on. We are now talking to Dean of Knicks Film School, Jonathan Macri. What's going on, John? What's up, guys? How you doing? We are good, man. And uh, uh, we have a lot of Knicks haters that listen to this show. Uh, but uh, it's okay. Uh, with the New York Knicks, you just uh, wonder if you hate them or you love them. I am a Knicks fan. I could sit here today and say, you know what? 
maybe we could say Mazel Tov if they actually land the player they've been really gunning for since the beginning of the offseason in Donovan Mitchell. But the questions are still leaning towards um, are they going to do the right thing, not only for the fans, but for the organization. So before we get into that, how are you? How are your fam- How is your family doing uh, since COVID? Oh, we're good. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, my wife and girls got it a few weeks ago, but uh, nothing, nothing crazy. All things considered, uh, what are we, two and a half years into this mess, I, I'd say we're, we're making out fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> it is a mess, uh, by the way. Speedy's grandfather just got it. Yeah, again, so. he got it last uh, week. So yeah. he's on his last, like, think, two or three days of quarantine now for that. So. You know, it's, it's, as long as he stays six feet away from me, because I don't want it again. I had <laughs> Almost. It yeah, but anyways, uh, let's get into this Donovan Mitchell saga because yeah. it is, it's been a saga for the New York Knicks. We all know Allen Houston and Julius Randle and World Wide West went to that Dallas and Utah game and everybody was talking about it, how the Knicks shouldn't have done that. They should not be doing breaking New York, uh, NBA rules and all that crap. Uh, Jalen Brunson signs with the Knicks, takes a lesser contract uh, and, and decided not to stay with Dallas and now all of a sudden Donovan Mitchell becomes the the Knicks become the lead team to get Donovan Mitchell not surprising what's going on with this is is this going to ever end are the Knicks the lead team to get him now or is it going to be the Hawks or is it going to be I don't know the Wizards or the Raptors that we're hearing now this is going crazy and I'm getting crazy I'm getting I don't know I can't even express myself anymore with this it's getting me so out of shape with this what I think if you listen to most Knicks fans, uh, they would tell you that Danny Ainge is the one getting a little crazy because um, I think like a lot of people, he probably, or I don't know if he expected this, but there were many people who were predicting that once Donovan Mitchell went on the table um, and he started taking offers, he was going to be able to basically clean New York York out of, of all of its assets in a Mitchell trade because, you know, getting to really the question that you asked, like why do the Knicks want Donovan Mitchell? Cause they need a star, you know, they need a star player. They need someone who could create offense out of nothing. Um, they don't have that guy, at least not someone who could do it efficiently. I think Jalen Brunson will help a lot. Jalen Brunson's a really good player. Um, offensively, he's not Donovan Mitchell. And uh, you know, Mitchell's 25. He's got three years left on his deal. He wants to play in New York. Uh, he checks a lot of boxes for them. I mean, it's not a perfect fit, which, you know, maybe we could get into, but, I think for all those reasons, uh, I, if I had to guess, I would guess that Ainge thought he'd be able to extract a, a hefty hefty sum from Leon Rose. Um, and maybe he still will. We don't know. I mean, the deal is obviously not done yet. Maybe it'll never get done. Who knows? But from my read of the situation, the fact that this is now, you know, over two weeks and we keep hearing, you know, leaked reports of, you know, the, tra- the deal is done, the deal is done. Well, uh, you know. The deal is done when it's going to be done. Clearly, the, the two sides are not in agreement on everything, uh, which I, I, if you're a hopeful Nick fan, I think it means that, you know, maybe Leon's holding firm on a few things. So four players that have been noted in the deal. We've heard combinations of every one of them. Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, and Emmanuel Quigley. So what do you think is, like, the most fair for both sides? And what would be your preference among those four players, like the combination of the two they would have to deal well, Mitchell Robinson's not going to be dealt because he, he's not allowed to be traded mm-hmm. until December fifteenth. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because uh, he just signed a new a new contract. There were there were some reports that uh, Utah had initially asked for him and RJ Barrett. I'm 
assuming uh, that was before free agency and before Mitch agreed to uh, a new contract. So, but of the other three that you mentioned, Obi quickly and Grimes, I think that's the most interesting conversation going on right now because I think there's arguments in favor of why the Knicks should should hold on to each one of them at all costs, and I think there's arguments for why perhaps the Knicks, you know. The, one of them should be the player that, that goes out in the deal. I mean, ultimately there's two sides to this and it's going to depend on what Utah wants. It seems as if the jazz want Quentin Grimes for a couple of reasons. One, I think he's the easiest fit, not only on Utah, but on any team in the league. I mean, he's a, he's a three and D guy who could do some other stuff on the offensive end. Uh, and he has an extra year on his contract. Unlike Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly, who will, will both uh, be eligible for extensions next summer. So you got to pay those guys sooner. I don't know if, Utah necessarily has any interest in handing out any big contracts anytime soon. Um, you know, if I'm the Knicks, I mean, it's it's tough to have this conversation and not talk about the picks because it's like, well, if you give an extra young player, do you get to hold on to one of your own unprotected future picks? And it, it sounds like, from what I could read it on, into the situation at least, the Knicks are trying to retain not only the ability to field a good team next year and in the immediate future, but also to make another big trade down the line for the next star that gets antsy and wants out. And that's a really, you know, tough, tight rock, to, tight rope to walk. Um, I have a feeling Grimes is going out, which I've accepted it. I think he's going to be a really nice player. I, I And I think quickly is going to stay. Um, I'd be very surprised if quickly went out in the deal. I think they like quickly a lot. I think they, they feel like quickly is part of the foundation. To me, it comes down to Obi. Because Obi's a really interesting player. We still don't really know what he is because he's never gotten a chance to show it um, with, like, extended minutes because he plays behind Julius Randle, unfortunately. Uh, and then that's the other part of this is, like, can they figure out a way to get a third or a fourth team into this deal and maybe send Randle someplace? Uh, which, if you do that, then I think it becomes even more imperative to hold on to top it. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dean of Knicks Film School, Jonathan Macri. John, I know a lot of guys are making jokes right now on our panel over here, laughing, saying, because I heard over the last couple of weeks that uh, Donovan Mitchell and Emmanuel Quigley went out to dinner quite a few times, and they were spotted eating dinner together. Now, I don't know if that means anything, but... Uh, it, it's hard to believe that these guys have a good relationship. He, uh, he's a young player. He's been in a league for, what, two years, two and a half years. And Donovan Mitchell, he's one of the, the young stars in this league. He's in Utah. Yes, he's a New Yorker. He lives out here in the summertime. But how much does he know Emmanuel quickly? But uh, I think there is some kind of thought to this that there was some kind of story behind it. And that's why it was posted up in the post and, and some of the different things that I've read. Do you think that had anything to do or has anything to do with Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks? Uh, no. <laughs> I, just, I, think, I think a lot of players are friends in the league. Emmanuel Quickly is a young player trying to establish his name mm-hmm. and his brand in the NBA, and that's why you saw him out at, like, was it the white party or yeah. something? Or, you know, whatever that. They that were hanging like. out. Him and, o- and Obi Toppin was there, too. Yeah. So, so I mean, good for good for IQ. It, it, uh, no. I guess pun intended, it'll it'll improve his, his Q rating. Mm. Donovan Mitchell, though, I mean, I, I think he wants to come to New York because I think he probably, I don't know, I would imagine he thinks he could probably win in New York. I imagine he probably doesn't love Utah. Um, obviously, his dad works for the Mets, and that's a that he, t- he tweets about the Mets every day, so that's a big deal to him. I think more than anything, though, like Donovan Mitchell, if you paid attention to him since he got drafted, he is, I don't know, calling him image conscious kind of sounds bad, but 
I think he cares about being one of the more marketable young players in the NBA. And I think he's done a really nice job of that or as good a job as you can do being a member of the Utah jazz. But I think he's ready to take a step up in that department. And I think for him, you know, and we've heard reports for years now that people in his camp want him in one of the coastal cities, whether it's New York or Miami, or I, I suppose LA, but neither of those teams are in a position to make such a trade. Um, so I, I think that's what it's about for Donovan Mitchell more than it is about, you know, any, any friendship with Emmanuel quickly. So the signing that already happened was Jalen Brunson, four years, $104 million. What did you think of that contract? And what do you think of his fit going forward in, with the Knicks? Um, I don't have an issue with the contract. I mean, he is next year, I think going to be like the 50th or 51st highest paid player in the league. I think he's probably about a top 50 player whereabouts. Um, I put a lot of stock in his numbers without Luca, um, not only last year, but the last, last few years. I mean, he is the number I always go back to with, with Brunson that stands out the most is amongst um, guards who, you know, played the requisite amount of minutes to qualify for different, you know, various leaderboards. He was the most efficient guard in the, in the entire league from two point range. There was literally no other guard more efficient than him. I think it was him and then Drew Holiday were the only two guards who managed to shoot above 50% on two pointers. That's really freaking hard to do. He is a maestro inside the arc. Now, he's not a perfect guard, which is why you could get him for 25 and not have to pay him a max deal because uh, he's not. I mean, he could obviously he could shoot the three, but he's not someone that's going to give you a lot of perimeter gravity. He even, you know, I, the one, the biggest thing that I hope changes in the coming years, I hope he gets a little bit more comfortable taking spot ups because that'll make his role um, as an off ball player a little bit, a little bit easier. But the Knicks need someone who could generate efficient offense. They haven't had an efficient offense in, in God knows how long. And at the end of the day, all the, you know, not that Tom Thibodeau was the most creative offensive mind. He's someone that leads into the strengths of his players on offense. Two years ago, he did a great job of it with Julius Randle. Last season, no one was particularly good, and the offense stunk. Uh, so I think if you give Tibbs a guy who has legitimate strengths on offense, the nice thing about Tom is he'll figure out a way to use that player effectively. Again, I don't have an issue with the contract. As far as the fit, I, I think the fit, if you're projecting it with Donovan Mitchell, yeah, it's a little small, but, you know, Mitchell, Mitchell just needs to try on defense. If he tries on defense, I think he's going to be fine. And Jalen Brunson, that's one issue that you're never going to have with him. He always gives maximum effort. He's going to be limited because of his height, but like, you know, that's a, that's a first world problem. And, and, you know, Knicks fans, we, we don't have many of those. So. John, I, I, there are stories coming out that the Knicks are, they've reached out to the Chicago Bulls. They offered Julius Randle and Nicole Volk, uh, Vujovic, whatever Vujovic. Vujovic, I'm sorry. Vujovic uh, is, a, is a name that the Knicks are very interested in. And I don't know what it means. Does that stop them from possibly making a move for Donovan Mitchell? Maybe they get both of them. Is, is there some kind of is, – is this a true story? Is, is, is this actually going to happen or it's just a rumor? I've haven't heard it. So really, I mean, it's oh, no. it's yeah. been it's been all over Twitter today that the Knicks reached out to the Bulls and actually the Bulls are interested in possibly may, uh, possibly trading Vukovic. I always <laughs> well, I always mess up his name. By the way, if I hate that, I hate I, that name, the Vuc trade I'll say was Vucevic. Um, there it is, Vucevic. It's called Vuc. Vuc. That's a um, I, I like that Vuc. It no. was a crappy trade the, the minute they made it, and um, it was made to look worse when they went out and got. Um, DeMar DeRozan, who's not 
exactly known for his yeah. defense. And, uh, you know, Vooch is like, he's not the shooter that people perceive him to be. Um, again, I haven't seen that rumor. I, I certainly I'll don't pick, know I'll send, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Cause I, I'll, I'll take your word for it that it's out there. Um, I <laughs> would imagine that the bulls are just looking to see what they can get for Vooch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's known around the league that if you want Julius Randall, you can have Julius Randall. Right. The biggest question for me and what I've been wondering since the beginning of the offseason and, and really since probably the trade deadline mm-hmm. is do the Knicks just want to get out from under Julius Randall or are they because obviously he has four years left on this extension last year being a player option or are they going to insist on extracting some value now the Knicks obviously don't need Nikola Vucevic he's not a player that I would imagine Tom Thibodeau would be um, thrilled to take on. Mm. And, you know, like we just said, they just signed Mitchell Robinson. Um, They are not paying Mitchell Robinson $17 million next year to be a backup, especially when they just paid Isaiah Hardenstein um, $8 million to come in and back up. um, Well, maybe, maybe you move uh, Mitchell Robinson to the, the four. I mean, obviously they could do that. They, they, they they would, they could not do that. That would be very foolish. Why? Um, Why would it be foolish? Uh, Mitchell Robinson at the He's athletic. He's very athletic. He could defend multiple positions. I mean, the Knicks haven't had – really haven't gotten points at that position. Besides Julius Randle before that, Carmelo Anthony was the last guy that gave him points at that position. The the Knicks have never really – they've always been, over the years, they've gotten it from their big man, Patrick Ewing. And and after Patrick Ewing left, they got it from the perimeter. They got it from Allen Houston. They got it from that. It was – over the years, it it took them a while. And by the way, when Carmelo came to the Knicks, he was a three. He wasn't even a four. They moved him to the four. And he he, he actually – and that's when he had his most. Yes. Yes. That KP guy gave them some. Uh, some uh, for one year, then he got hurt. Please, Zach, that KP uh, guy. By the way, how is KP doing right now? Not too good. <laughs> um, Zach Randolph was pretty good for when he was here. I'm well, sure Zach, but that was that was a while ago too. That was like David Lee was pretty good for. I mean, hey, you're actually, you're I actually do like David Lee. You think it's probably been their most successful position? You really? You think years. that was the most uh, you know successful position? I think. Well, it's not a high bar because they've sucked. No. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I think the three. I think the three has been their best position. I really, I, I mean, if maybe you really, I, and maybe if you really, their two was is pretty damn good too. I mean, if you look at over the last couple of years, I mean, Allen Houston was a pretty good two. I mean, he, yeah. uh, it's been a few years. Yes, so, so yeah, I was gonna say if you have to incorporate Allen Houston, yeah, you R. get to incorporate Zach Randolph. R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett to two, three. That's where that's where he's. Well, uh, he's been. I mean, he's become I, a pretty good player. I think we're getting a little off track. I the the point is, Mitchell Robinson is is a center. I I um you know the is Clippers, he a starting center in this league? That's the question. Well, paid him fifteen oh, million dollars a year. The, right? the Knicks the Knicks have paid a lot of people a lot of money over the years. They're still paying coaches that are not part of the team anymore, and GMs and presidents. And they just so finished paying another. Does it really matter where center. they throw the money? It really doesn't matter. James Dolan knows how to open up his pockets. Everybody hates him, but... They just well, finished they... paying another overpaid center, too. Who's that? Noah. Like, only oh, like a yes, year ago, they, they only just right. finished paying him. Um, yeah, his, his $6 million finally went away. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Mitch is good. Um, I think Mitch is a good player. I think Mitch is a starting center. I don't know if he is ever going to be one of the 10 best starting centers, but he's a starting center in the league. Um the guy they just signed to be his backup, Isaiah Hardenstein, you know, the Clippers experimented with him. Not experimented with him. They 
they used some lineups with him and Serge Ibaka where Ibaka was like the nominal five last year in LA. And um, I, I mean, look, Hartenstein's a five two, So I don't know really what the Knicks would be doing, getting, getting Vooch um, again, does not strike me as a, a Thibodeau type of player. Maybe there's a three team deal, four team deal somewhere involved. I don't, I just don't get the sense that Vooch's trade value is very high right now. Hmm. Um, so it, it would, it would seem just like two teams exchanging one problem for another, but you know, who knows? So you're talking about Julius Randle in reference to the other trades with Vucevic and also with, uh, with Donovan Mitchell, potentially if they have to shed that extra salary cap. Is there any other separate trades that you've heard that you might be intrigued by if they do end up moving Randle in that case? Because if they do bring in Mitchell with the money situation? Yeah, I mean, the, the money in terms of getting Mitch or getting um, Donovan Mitchell, it doesn't have to be Julius Randle. And we've heard reports that the jazz want nothing to do with uh, Julius Randall's contract, because again, it has four more years. Uh, they don't need Randall's salary to go out in that trade. Uh, they could do it with Fournier and, and some other stuff. They could do it with Rose and some other stuff. They could do it with Fournier and Rose if they want. There's lots of ways to do, to do that deal. Um, I think the, the bigger reason that they may be looking to move on from Julius Randall, if they get Donovan Mitchell is it just to me. And I think to most people, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense just on the court. Cause that's, between Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, you have four guys who, whether or not they need the ball in their hands, they certainly want the ball. And then Julius Randle, obviously, he's shown himself in his time in New York to be a guy who very much wants to operate with the ball in his hands. Um, he's also not any kind of a spacing threat, at least mm-hmm. not how he shot it last year. So if you're looking to move on from him, uh, what are some other options? I mean, the Russ situation in L.A. is Please interesting Please don't do that. Well, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be trading for Russ to to play him. They mm-hmm. would be trading for him to buy him out. Buy him out. Mm-hmm. And um, it would just be basically a way to clear the decks. Now, we've heard the Lakers this week turn down an offer of, I think it was Miles Turner and Buddy Heald uh, for – for Russ when I, 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 I'm pretty sure the Lakers were uh, unwilling to even, or maybe they were only willing to include one first round pick in that trade. So mm. I think that's what it was. Um, so surely the Knicks would be looking to get one of the Lakers future picks um, in the process of dumping Randall for Russ. I think it makes more sense as a three team deal or potentially even a four team deal. Um, and then you just send Russ over to Utah, let them, you know, deal with his salary. And uh, maybe you, you send one of those Lakers picks over to the jazz. So it's one less thing that you have to send as the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell. I think that makes some sense. Uh, but mm. you know, there's a reason a lot of these trades usually end up being just two team trades. Cause the more teams you get involved, the more complicated it gets, the more things that can go wrong. As everybody knows, we are talking to Dean Knicks film school, Jonathan Macri. And it's so funny that you said, you bring up Julius Randle. Why are the Knicks bringing him as a recruiter? If you're planning, if if you get Donovan Mitchell and obviously Brunson, you got one of the guys out of the two. If you get both of them, why were you bringing Julius Randle to recruit these two guys? If you're going to get rid of them, it doesn't make any sense. And that's I, the yeah. problem with the Knicks. I none of the things that they do, and I love the Knicks. They're one of my favorite sports teams. They never make sense. None of the things they do makes ever any sense. Um, I don't know that they were bringing him as a recruiter. It seemed uh, pretty. Why would they bring him? I mean, he's from Dallas. Oh, <laughs> oh, so we'll bring him. Uh, we'll hang out in Dallas, and we're hanging out with uh, Worldwide West and Allen Houston. He's talking to both players after the game, and you know, I look pretty much recruiting to me. I, I mean, 
I mean, I, I'll say this. I've been very curious. Again, I kind of referenced this already. What their stance towards Julius Randle is um, since the season ended, because he obviously was a disaster last year. And <laughs> why do they say they... he was a disaster? He averaged twenty and ten. He wasn't that bad of a disaster. I mean, he wasn't as efficient as he was the year before. Well, he was the least efficient high volume player in the sport of basketball. Okay, but he, he, it wasn't that bad. I mean, twenty and ten. No, it was it was actually that bad. And, really, and worse than that bad. Yes, really, was, I, I don't. I. Um, I have to look so, at this. So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Were they bringing him along so it didn't look as bad uh, that they were, you know, blatantly watching a game between Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell? Maybe. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really matter to me. Julius Randle is not. I, to me, it's a matter of if – or, sorry, it's a matter of when, not if they get rid of him. I think at some point he'll, he's not going to be a member of the team anymore. Um, it's just a matter of if they prioritize – uh, trying to get some value for him right now, or if they're, like I said, just trying to get out from under the contract. We'll see. So is there any other targets that you've heard for the Knicks in terms of maybe even other trades they can make? If Because Donovan Mitchell's the main one, too. With these other role, maybe old role players or depth that you've heard in this offseason? No, I mean, I mean, Melo's the one you always hear. I mean, he's <laughs> still out there. Yeah. Um, I think there's a world where if they do find a new home for Randall or even like, and I don't want to think about this cause I, I like Obi Toppin a lot. Mm. Um, if they have to give up Obi Toppin in the Donovan Mitchell trade in either of those scenarios, you're looking potentially for a backup for, you know, is Carmelo Anthony the best backup for in the world? No, but I mean, look, you're not winning a championship next year. Anyway, you could do worse things than, you know, bring him back for a retirement tour of sorts to play 10, 15 minutes a game off the bench um, and provide some spacing at that position, which he could still do. That is the one thing Melo could still do. He could still provide spacing. He shot the lights out of the ball in L.A. last year uh, from three-point range, at least. So other than that, I think that – I mean, I think it's just coming down to Mitchell and then if they get involved with the Russ thing and then, you know, you see if Melo's back. But they're – you know, they did their work, I think, already. Other, obviously, Mitchell trade aside. Just so you know, I'm not a big Julius Randle fan. But for anybody to say a guy that averaged 20, 29, 5 last year, yeah, his field goal percentage was a little bit over 40%. His three-point, as a, as, a, as a power forward, he was averaging over 30% at the, uh, the three-point line. And his free throws were at 76%. Those aren't bad numbers. I wouldn't say, oh, my God, it was a horrible season. I mean, he had an efficient season. I mean, where I would rank him in the power forwards last year, probably 15, 16 from the year before where he was in a top 10 and some aspects of his game, and he was a comeback player of the year. But to say that Julius Randle wasn't efficient last year and he was horrible, I, I hate when Nick fans, and I'm not saying you, but Nick fans telling me Julius Randle's, he, he he's horrible, he's terrible. We need to get the hell away from him. I mean, th- you know, there are – there are players who are not talented enough mm, right. to compete yeah. at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. That's not Julius Randle, which I think is what made his season so frustrating right. because when it was clear that the efficiency <clears throat> wasn't there in mm-hmm. a lot of those games, yes, instead of turning games, yes. around and you know putting forth maybe a little bit of extra effort on defense or um, – you know, not dribbling into a double or a triple team and mm-hmm. like all the maddening little habits that Julius displayed in his first year here that had people wanting him, you know, on the first uh, train out of town right. two years ago. Um, a lot of those habits came back 
and the guy who made the extra effort and all the little things that he did to, to that led to winning basketball during the, you know, the 2020, 21 season, none of that stuff happened last year. Um, so I don't want to say, I mean, he's, he's talented. He's incredibly talented, which is why some team is probably going to look I, at I, him. I, and, I know you believe that, but it, it, it's, I'm looking at his numbers there besides his points, 24 to 20, 21 last year. Points, I, I, I know it means nothing, but even his no, field it goal means, position. It means something, but like Russell Westbrook averaged 20 points last year. Right, and his his field Russell goal Westbrook percentage was, the year before that he was a comeback player of the year was a point four five six. That last year was point four. Uh, a four eleven. It's it's not that much worse than he was the year before, it, where he was comeback player and an all star. It wasn't that it bad. Made, it, his so his three point percentage going down yeah. from forty one percent to thirty one percent. Yeah, was that a game that dipped that dipped. Yes, it did. He forced a lot of three point shots. But I mean, yes. the dirty little secret is that even in his comeback player of the year, or not comeback player of the year, the um. His um, most improved proof player, player, which I I think it's the comeback player of the year. They they change these names. They just there's a new award one. every day. It's it just I I'm so tired of these awards. Just give them one award. Stop with the most comeback. I mean razzle dazzle. Give me a damn freaking award and be done with it. The year he won uh, the aforementioned award. Um, he wasn't really terribly efficient in that season either, at least not compared to most of the guys that were were on the All-NBA team with mm-hmm. him. But he got that designation, and he got the MVP votes and the whole thing and all the all the accolades because he was very clearly the best player on a Knicks team that you know wildly exceeded expectations. And I think his playmaking had a lot to do with that. I think, like I said, his extra effort had a lot to do with that on defense. But, like, he hasn't been a really efficient player. Probably he was... This year in New Orleans, he was somewhat efficient. And then his year in L.A., his last year in L.A., he was probably his most efficient. It was actually it was definitely his most efficient season. Hmm. Um, but, like, look, that's here's part of the problem is, you know, we're going into year nine, I think, of Julius Randle. And I think it's still unclear as to what role he can play on a team that is actually competing for a championship. Right. We saw him play a role on a on a on a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a on a contending team, I think you're probably looking at someone who's going to need to take a step back and be more the third or fourth banana. And, you know, it's tough for a guy who can't knock down an outside shot consistently to do that if that player also, you know, isn't able to, like, play center um, and isn't able to give you, you know, a lot of versatility on defense. Like, they're just, you know, he's a really tough fit, um, which is why, again, I think, the Knicks would like to move on from him, especially now that they've made these other upgrades. It's just a matter of whether they can you know, find a find a, a team willing to take him. Well, John, we really appreciate you joining us. You're awesome, and we want to get you on again. If this Donovan Mitchell thing ever happens, if it ever happens, and let's hope as Knicks fans it does because it'll give the Knicks a little bit of a spark. I mean, Jalen Brunson's not enough for me to say, oh, my God, the Knicks had a great offseason. You add somebody like Donovan Mitchell, it gives them something – to brag, and they have bragging rights because then they got the two guys that they were looking to sign in or, or go after in the offseason. So hopefully that happens. We'll get you on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Yeah, you can just uh, find me on Twitter. It's uh, at JC Macri NBA. And then uh, under the umbrella of Nick's Film School, Nick's Film School Podcast, Nick's Film School. YouTube channel. By the way, it's a Nick great show. Newsletter. It's a great show, by the way. Great oh, thing thanks. that you're doing. I, I, I really, I'm a Nick fan, so I, I you, since the last time you've been on my show, 
Um, I, I've definitely checked out some of the stuff that you've been posting and everything like that. And uh, you know your Knicks. So uh, anybody that's a Knicks fan out there and wants to check out uh, anything that Mr. Jonathan Macri does, go check him out on Twitter. He's fantastic. Well, that is much appreciated. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully they get Donovan Mitchell and we have something else to uh, look forward to here in New York. <laughs> Hopefully. About uh, time. They deserve it. Instead of pulling my hair out of my head. I mean, why do you think I wear a hat half the time? Because I'm pulling my hair out of my head. But oh, You're really wearing that hat of all hats. Uh, how do you like it, by the way? I, I kind of like it, you know? <laughs> it's a nice hat. Thank you. Jonathan Macri. Uh, Dean of Nick's Film School, fantastic guy. He really is. Knows his stuff. And I like I like going back and forth. Julius Randle, I'm not the biggest Julius Randle fan, but I, I don't think he's as bad as everybody makes him out to be. I, I really don't. It's, it's horrible how he gets treated here in New York. After, you know, a year before that, they were screaming MVP. Oh, yeah. Now they want to kill him. One extreme to the know? other. Yes, that's New Poor York guy, fans man. in a nutshell. Poor guy. When we come back, we have another good, spectacular, uh, great guest coming on. And we haven't spoken to him in a very long time. Uh, we will be talking to ex-Bronco, Raven, and Jets defensive live man, lineman, I mean, Trevor Price here on the Sports Loudmouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouse. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's so funny. Watching Jeff and Snug on the posts, they have nothing good to say. They, they've always got something rotten to say. If it's not something that they agree with, or they want to attack. They like to dig it. They like to dig it. But what do those guys know? They know nothing about sports half the time. And when they think that they do, they call up the show and they piss me off. But this guy never pisses me off. And we're very happy to have him on. We are now talking to Bronco, ex-Bronco, Ravens, and Jet defensive lineman, Trevor Price. What's going on, Trevor? What's up, man? How are you guys? You know, it's, good. you know, it's so funny. The last time we had you on the show, we didn't have you on a video chat. Yep. We had you on the phone. And no. uh, it, it's hard to talk to somebody when you go on the phone. You, you watch the radios, different things on WFAN and ESPN. Everybody has a problem because when you're talking, you're, you're talking into the phone. You can't see the person that you're talking to. And now with social media and the way you know things are going in the sports world, now everybody's doing video chats. So we're very happy to have you on and we can see you now. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> there, yeah, the there you go. I got the piece. I see those fingers, man. It looks like they were bent back a couple of times. <laughs> oh, the bunny. <laughs> are you Bugs Bunny? Are you going to have you going to be in another like one of those Bugs Bunny movies? What do they call that movie? Uh, uh, Space Jam? No, no. We'll call Absolutely. it. Price Jam. The movie was terrible. (laughs) Don't tell LeBron that. He made a couple million off it. He made a a bunch of money. Warner Brothers did not, though. (laughs) I know that as a fact. Could we call it Price Jam? That would be good. Let's not do that. that that You're going to remake it into the better version. We'll make it a football version. (laughs) Yeah. Buzz Leonard, I was a bank in my version. As everybody knows, we're talking to former Broncos, Ravens, and Jet defensive lineman Trevor Price. 
Trevor, um, obviously over the years, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of different uh, defensive linemen come out of the draft, and some of them really stood out. And there are a couple of them that really stick out right now in the NFL. One of them is a guy that won the Super Bowl last year, uh, Aaron Donald, who seems to be more and more of that prototypical defensive lineman you're looking to try to draft. They don't exist. One out of every generation uh, are drafted at that magnitude. What do you what do you say when you watch a player of this magnitude? Um, at least from uh, at least from my experience of playing pro football, is it? It's a couple of things you had to have. You had to have um, foresight. It said we're going to draft a defensive tackle who's six foot two tall, six foot one tall. He's not a really. He's a big, strong person, but he's not a he's not a big person, right? He's He's the size of a fullback. He's the size of some high school fullbacks, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm in the uh, six foot one, 270 pound defensive tackles in high schools are getting, are getting recruited in a Division one school. They're just not. You know, you just you just never know. But you know, he was that good. The second, the, the other thing is too. Um, I read a thing years ago in Sports Illustrated where. The defensive line coach that drafted him, I know, because he was a defensive line coach that everybody knew, Mike Waffle. He's a Navy guy, an Army guy, Navy guy. And Mike was like buzz cut, discipline. He was our coach at the Pro Bowl. He didn't smile. This man came out of a – Mike came out of a, <laughs> like, like platoon movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, Mike, Mike was that kind of guy. Great guy, you know what I mean? But he was not like – that guy, but I read a thing that my waffle, he, he realized that Aaron Donald didn't need a coach and not because he wasn't good just, or he was too good to have a coach. It was that he does stuff naturally. You can't coach let's let him do it. The third thing is, is that last part, they let him do what he wants. He plays, he, he played from what I re, from what I think. Anytime you see the Rams give up a big run, you run at Aaron Donald. You don't run away from him. You run away from him. He can he he's in the backfield so fast. But to go to get in the backfield, you have to open up a gap to go on alignment. So if he goes if he goes around the an offensive lineman instead of going through him, and he doesn't make the tackle, the running back hits his head in the goalpost, <laughs> and they just let him do it because you know what's going to happen if he does that ten times a game. He'll affect six plays. He'll give up one touchdown. He'll get two sacks, and the other seven plays, um, he will affect. He will somehow cause the play to fall apart. Right. So it is. It is a level of freedom he has. You can you can watch him. Times he does. He gets in the backfield, and if he doesn't make a tackle, he stops. He literally stops his feet, and he's like, you know, this is it's not my job. I I am back here, and if I don't make the tackle, but. He makes such spectacular plays. Um, he, it looks like when he's when he's out there playing, he doesn't care what the film looks like on Monday, right? He doesn't. He he's not going to get right. a minus because he jumped around a guy in a gap and opened up a big gap and they ran for twelve yards. They're like, hey, line it up again because the next time he does it, he hits the quarterback in his face. So you have to live and die with that. So. There, there have been people like him in the NFL. Warren Sapp was like him. John Randall was just like that. There's been guys that have been six foot one, 
that kind of athleticism. We had one um, at the Ravens. We had one, didn't play, didn't make the team, but he was like that. We had one um, in Denver. We had another short divas line. He was so fast and so quick, and he was six foot tall. And, you know, you wind up with these hybrid guys, but the, the height doesn't matter. Dwight Freeney was like that. He just run upfield every play. And he opened up a big gap. And if they hit the head in the goalpost on their way down there, fine. But you know the next time he's going to cause a fumble. And now we get a touchdown. So you have to live and die with that stuff. And that's that's what it is. I think there's there's there are athletes like him in the NFL. There are defensive linemen who are athletes like him. But they don't have that kind of autonomy. Nobody does. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So we've seen a lot in recent years, the interior defensive line, especially in a 4-3 defense, get more prioritized with analytics and next-gen stats because a lot of running quarterbacks can get away from fast guys like off the edge. So do you think that kind of trend will continue where you see these defensive tackles going earlier in drafts than we usually have seen before? Because really it was only the Noving Sue draft that we saw it that early before. Yeah, but he w- um, Sue wasn't that kind of guy. Sue's not that kind of athlete. That's not – that you are comparing apples and oranges. Sue was old school, bump heads with people. Aaron Dow's not trying to wrestle with nobody. He goes, he goes around you. He makes you think you're gonna wrestle with him. Then he he wipes your hand, and it says like trying to block a windmill. You know what I mean? Like, it's like his his hands are consistently spinning like this. And <laughs> your hands out to block him. He, he flaps your wrist, and then he's at the quarterback. I mean, if 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 Spain had. If Spain wasn't tired and had blocked the right way on that last play, Cincinnati wins the Super Bowl. Mm. And we all know that. You know what I mean? But he took one step and you're blocking a, a whirling dervish. So I, it's it's not as easy to teach. And yet you, you have to have – you have to get past the, uh, the analytic parts of size and height, size and um, weight. You have to get past that part. You have to go, hey – can he hold up? Okay, can he hold up with a double team? Fine. But what does he bring that we – because what does he bring, what does a player bring um, that is greater than what than what he exposes? Because I'm telling you, anytime the Rams give a run, look it up. They, they, you, you run at him. You never run away from him. You always run at him because he will open up – he will open up defense like a garage door. Mm-hmm. But then – you think he'll do that again, Tom? Man, so he's hitting your running back before he gets the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you just got to deal with it. So I, you got those guys. Are, those guys are hard to find. And um, let, let me change it. They're not hard to find. The defensive coordinators are hard to find. Remember, he had Wade Phillips. Right. Yep. And Wade was like, "Look, put your hand in the dirt and just go." And you and that's very difficult to do in a professional defense because the defense has to. It has to be, um, it, it, it has to work. This guy's do something, this guy's do something, this guy, and it's a chain link fence. And if it, and one of those links is broken or one of those links goes forward and we're all going backwards or vice versa, the chain breaks and they let him break the chain. Mm-hmm. And we feel like, look, go whichever way you want to go. You, they tell him where to line up, the rest of it's on him. And it's excellent. I wish I, I wish I had gone through that. We are talking to former Broncos, Ravens, and Jets defensive lineman Trevor Price. Trevor, you watch the quarterbacks in this day game, and and obviously the Russell Wilsons, uh, the Aaron Rodgers, the Patrick Mahomes, the Deshaun Watsons. 
they're the athletic beasts. When you look at the time that you played, John Elway and Joe Montana and Steve Young, that 90s type of game, it's different now, you know, from the, that time. John Elway and all the other different quarterbacks that you played against. Do you think that those type of quarterbacks can play in this time of, of football? Why not? A quarterback's a quarterback, yeah. right? I, mm-hmm. I, I will tell you this, you know, the, there's no such thing as a bad NFL quarterback. I have protection. You watch these seven on seven. You, you, I've, I've never been in an NFL practice and seen an NFL quarterback back up, practice what a guy, not eat up a defense in seven on seven. I've never seen it. They eat them up. And that's why you watch these kids post these videos and they look great slinging the ball sideways. And that's not football, right? Mm-hmm. So um, to think they, they couldn't do what these guys do, they wouldn't be asked to do that. Like Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are not going to be asked to do what what Josh wrote, um, the big kid from Buffalo does. Like yeah, you just Allen. You, Josh yeah, Allen. Josh Allen. When like you make me another one of those. Of course, we all like to look like that and run like that. But that's not ha- that's not happening. Or Lamar Jackson. Those two are the two that I would. Josh Allen more so, because he's because he's two hundred and sixty pounds or whatever, however big he is. So, mm-hmm. um, the, you you won't. You won't see that. And plus, now the quarterbacks are protected, so you can run. So back in 2006, they weren't protected like that. Mm-hmm. I, watched, I remember when Kiko Alonso almost killed Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost, yeah. I remember almost, that, by the way. Yeah, almost killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's, a different, it's a different game now. You can't do what you used to do. So now the quarterbacks protected. That's where the money is, and that's why we all get rich because mm-hmm. of quarterbacks. So you have to give them, like, give them the leeway, you know what I mean? And you call it a day and um, – yeah, of course they could. Of course they could. I mean, John Owe, I've seen, I've seen John Owe through balls at practice, man. He just like this don't look real. So <laughs> it's, it's how it happens. Yeah. So you got to play with John Elway for the first five years of your career. So two, is, is there, two, oh, two, two years of your career. Sorry, sorry about that. Um. So do you have what was he like both on and off the field as as a player? But and is there any good stories you have of John? Um. If uh, if 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 John didn't want to practice, we didn't practice. Okay, that's that was a, that was a fact. If he didn't, if he didn't fit, if he had tied one on the night before, or if he came in and he was, you know, he was up night all day, and he was like, "Yo, we ain't practicing today. We didn't practice." <laughs> so that that I can tell you, that's a fact. Um, other than that, he was older than everybody else, so he was kind of like. It was wild watching him because he was really he was knocked me pretty bad, man. It was like, yo, how's this man still doing this? And his his elbow looked weird. It's like he was put together like a lad, like they stuck him back together with parts. And then he, then you go to throwing the football, and you're like, well, that works. He was great. He was 38 when I got there, 37 when I got there. Which which nowadays is like, yeah, so what, <laughs> right? But back then they weren't, you know, nobody was. You know, avocado ice cream. Nobody was doing that. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to ask you this question. You, you, watch, you watch the game and you watch the, the draft this year, and there was a lot of questions with this year's draft. They're saying that this draft was weak, and, and, and maybe because of the quarterbacks, and there wasn't a lot of good quarterbacks in the first round, so they call these drafts weak. But you see all the defensive players that were drafted in the first round this year, and and, and obviously Sauce Gardner and, and all the different pass rushers that were drafted. When you look at this year's draft from last year's draft, do you think that this draft was as uh, was weaker than it was last year because there wasn't a great 
top-end quarterback in this year's draft class? How, how, would, you, how would anybody know that? Mm. They have not put on pads yet. Right. They have not put on mm-hmm. pads. They have not played a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it pro- projections, projections are whatever you want them to be. But, no, I mean, I think if you ask any scout or GM or, or even players, I mean, I remember, I, I, I remember what any NFL player who's been around a long time will tell you this. The first day the rookies show up, it takes five minutes to know which one they're going to be on this team or not. Mm. It takes five minutes. You could, you could tell doing warm-ups the way they walk. Are ready to go over bags. You're like, oh, this kid can't play dead. And it's, it's <laughs> we can't project, and that's fun and all. But like Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. this is not football. This is football like. So you don't know what these kids are going to be um, <clears throat> until they put on pads and until they turn on the lights. When they turn on the lights, things change. So um, you, you, I mean, was a kid that got drafted first? The uh, the defensive end that Trayvon Walker. Walker, yeah. Kid is, he's a he's a great college football player. So it should translate. It should. Never 100%, right? But, but enough analytics and enough film watching. And he looks the part. He talks the part. He sees the part. But he was not supposed to be the first pick. Went, you know what I mean? It, it, like, he came out of nowhere. And Jacksonville was like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> so so I, yeah, I, that, that, is, that is projections. And ask me this question next year okay. came out of nowhere that's a good a good assessment of the jaguars draft room the last couple of years so uh one of our fans has a question uh who was the lineman that you played against where you knew that you were going to be into a long day for when you knew that was the matchup jesus christ there's a there was a lot of them Bill shields the, the kansas city line was really good for a while then they got bad all of a sudden they were just bad at it then it was always somebody who you who, who wasn't like we had a kid in the practice squad that I thought was the best. I've seen two practice squad guys that I was I was like, you are going to the Hall of Fame, and he didn't play a game. Like, like it's un. Some people's bodies just react to other people's bodies differently, right? And I'm like, I can't get around this guy. I can't move him. He is bigger and stronger than I am. I don't know what's going on. Then he get in the game, and people would body slam him. And I'm just like, this doesn't make any sense i am all pro you know what i mean and the kid was shipped out um um there was nobody nobody really that i that i was like okay this is gonna be tough um the ones i see now would have been tougher the, the kid from the ravens who got there right the the Kaleche, he had gave me problems because he's so tall mm-hmm. right um you'd be you'd be so uh, i don't Nobody really. Ta- all tackles. I don't like. I don't like left tackles. I, I I don't have a pass rush move when I'm playing right defensive end. So I'm kind of stuck out there, just kind of wailing like a fish on a on a hook. You know what I mean? But um, inside guys, inside guards and centers, I just run a ride. I go past them really fast. You can ask them all. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Broncos, Ravens, and Jets defensive lineman Trevor Price. Trevor, I'm looking at your numbers right now and. When you talk about Hall of Famers, and it, it's true, you, you even Warren Sapp, you mentioned Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp, he retired with 96 sacks. He's in the Hall of Fame. There are quite a few great pass rushers that made it into the Hall of Fame in the 90s. Why hasn't your name been brought up? I, I mean, I'm looking at your numbers right now, comparing. I'm looking at it right now. You can compare your numbers to some of the great pass rushers in NFL history. Why haven't they talked about you going into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I don't know. 
and, and you know and I don't and I don't um I don't kind of expect them to mm. for some reason I, I just I just don't you know I I think some of that stuff you had to have been you you had to have been good with media you have to be good with kind of the business of football i wanted to be good at my job and i was like hey, there's nobody nowhere in my contract that says i'd be good at anything else i want to go home i don't begrudge anybody over it mm-hmm. um at all i really don't and and there will there will never come a time where i'm banding or that kind of thing but i I'm, i believe someday they'll nominate me like hey wait a minute that guy trevor price <laughs> I didn't sacks Put him up there. <laughs> what <is Sunday? laughs> it's pretty amazing trevor i'm looking at your yeah. numbers right now and I have six guys, some six of the the great pass rushers of the last twenty five years, and your numbers are very similar from all of them. So it's it's I miss, crazy. I missed, I missed two seasons. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You I still missed, had a I'm, long career. I mean, anything over twelve yeah. years, thirteen years is NFL. You know, it's to me, it's Hall of Fame like. I could have kept playing. Too. Yeah. I could have I played for the Patriots my last year. I did I said no. Bill flew me in. I said no to the Raiders and I said no to the Patriots. I was retired and they were like, please. I was like, man, I'm walking my dog. No, I can't. I could have, I could have gone back. I could have, I was in shape too. I, I kind of stayed in shape thinking I might go back. And then the reality hits you like, yeah, Wait, we're playing Sunday? Oh, no. <laughs> Leave no. it to the Patriots to do that. Of course. That was a real thing. They were like, yeah, you. I was like, no, I'm sorry, man. I was like, the smell of this grass is giving me PTSD. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bill. I, I, I had to sneak out of Oakland. <laughs> Speak out, they like measure me from like my pads, and they were like, "Where's Trevor?" Trevor went home. <laughs> He's walking his dog. <laughs> Swear to God, I was in Oakland. They were like, "Yo, you're playing Sunday." I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to my hotel, grab my stuff. I went to the airport. <laughs> you, you you said to the you said to the black hole fans. Uh, no, I'm going down no, a little man. black hole. I'm not that, playing for that, you guys. That, that old facility had an open man and had. It was black. It had no windows inside of it. Oh, man. What the hell is this? It's so funny. You mentioned Oakland and Curtis Martin. I always bring up the story. Every ex-NFL player, Taba Lee, we were talking about it. And I became pretty close with Curtis Martin because I've worked with him at a bunch of these uh, concussion things that he does out here on the island. And and he told me, he says, I said, what is your – where is your favorite place to play? He says, I can't tell you my favorite place, but I can tell you the worst place I played. <laughs> and he told Oakland. me Oakland. He says, that place, the fans, it, when, when you're in the locker room, you, you feel like the locker room's going to collapse. Yeah, it was, a rag, it was a raggedy stadium, man. It was, it was bad. And we, are, and we are in Denver. We played them twice a year, so we always got that early game on the baseball field. It was, yeah. <laughs> brutal man it was just brutal man it's like god y'all can't get this together it's a billion dollar enterprise y'all can't do better than this oh, it was it was bad it was, i could see why richard seymour was like they were trying to pay him all the money he's like i ain't going i could, I'm I could see it i could see it man but he went they paid him all the money and he went and he's like I'm of course he went course money he talks went. money yeah. talks everybody knows no, that every time yeah so yeah, so you, so Richard Seymour decided to leave the Patriots for the Raiders, and you decided he, to leave both was, teams. That was not his doing. He was traded for. He was traded. To, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was like, they did what? But Richard was like, 
It's the Patriots. They always trade players Richard, at such random times. Yeah, and Richard was like, he was like Sue. He wasn't like me. Like, we were two very, very different players. <laughs> so we're seeing a lot now, speaking of trades, a lot of this offseason, we're seeing these quarterbacks and wide receivers now in particular have a lot of power. Devontae Adams, speaking of the Raiders, to, to their Tyreek Hill, Miami, guys like that. Can you see it to the point where with those – particular positions or even like even just superstars in general have become more of a player run league as a result? Um, no, unless the contracts are fully guaranteed, you, that, that's never going to happen. Right. When the contracts are fully guaranteed, they will run the league. But right now they're not they're, I mean, the Sean Watson is the only one that has a fully guaranteed contract that I know of. Mm-hmm. Right? And the rookies, the rookies have fully guaranteed contracts, but your, your second contract has a signing bonus. Like all the money that, the Cardinals are putting into um, Yo- uh, Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> that, Baby money, Yoda. That, money, that money is what they guarantee him. He's not guaranteed the whole thing. That's all money on paper, right? It's not real money. If he gets to that point, good for him. You know what I mean? But what he's guaranteed is this. So I don't I don't see that happening until the contracts are ironclad like baseball, basketball, and hockey. Well, I will say this. I've never heard anybody call Kyler Murray Baby Yoda. <laughs> so they, but that's what they call him. They call him Baby Yoda. Oh, Look do, they, do they call him Baby Yoda? <laughs> they do. They call him Baby Yoda. Does, does, he, have, does he have powers like Yoda? Because if he does. Uh, when, he, when he sits in the end zone and crosses, he, he does, he's Baby Yoda. That's, that's, that's what the teammates call him. I didn't make that up. Oh, I didn't make that up. That is I, pretty. I, I read that. I, I, who called him Baby Yoda? It was a... Uh, who on it? Somebody really popular on his team called him. Give me like a popular defensive player in the Cardinals that everybody likes. Mm, which year was it? Because they've they've had a lot just of different. Recently. Just recently, JJ Watt, JJ Watt, Chandler Jones. Uh... Chandler Jones, I think, calls him Baby. Okay, Yoda. that sounds like Chandler Jones. Yeah. That's something that Chandler Jones Yoda. would say. Baby Yoda. Mm, yeah, I would well, believe he said that. Look it up. Yeah, look up. Look up. Kyler Murray, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. <laughs> they probably needed a lightsaber as rookie year with how Yoda. bad his offensive line was. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, over here. Let's see. Let's see who left him a nickname. Hold on a second. Chandler resulting Jones. Resulting hell Mary. Uh, was that? Oh, resulting touchdown dubbed the Hell Mary. That that's what. That's what made it. That's what made oh, them call wow. okay. Baby Yoda. That was what it was yeah. said over here. Uh, I'm trying to read right over here. It was against Jacksonville. Actually, it was a fa- Kyler Murray broke out a Yoda pose celebrating touchdown. He scored on Sunday. Mm. He scored it against uh, a beautiful fake against Jacksonville. So yeah, they call him. And they, and they call him. I, the reason I remember because I laughed very loud when I saw that. I said they called the man Baby Yoda. <laughs> He does look like you know he is small, but like Yoda. Yeah, like but it's crazy how how him as a quarterback he these offensive linemen some of them are like six eight six seven. How yeah. the hell does he see over that offensive nope. line and throw with accuracy? He sees through it and he sees flashes of what's around him. It's it's really bizarre. Like it, it's it's a legitimate question. Like how how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Legitimate question. I I. I I played against Doug Flutie at the end of Doug uh, Doug's career, mm-hmm. but Doug always rolled out and kind of jumped and threw the ball. Um, Kyler Murray, I don't I don't know I don't know how he does it. Man is five foot eight or whatever he is, yeah. and his offensive guards are six foot five, so he sees pieces of of the ball or whatever. I don't I don't know. It's a legitimate question. Yeah, you're talking to an NFL player, and I and I can't answer it. 
No, Doug Flutie was one of the nicest people I've ever met. I met him at oh, my, Doug in Miami. Was, Doug was greatest. Doug was so cool. Yes. Such a nice guy. His family's great, too. I had yeah. a, con- a conversation with his wife and yeah. very, very nice guy. And his brother and him play in a band. So that was, uh, that was fun. That was fun watching him sing in the band. I, after the interview, I said, well, maybe you should check me out singing. I was like, are you going to scare me away? That's <laughs> <laughs> something like Doug would do. Yeah, he is. He's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Doug could talk to you for hours. He talked to me for like 40 minutes while everybody was trying to talk to him. He was talking to me about the quarterback position and some of the camps that he's doing. Very, very, very nice guy. So, yeah, man. Good for him. So we were talking about Lamar Jackson earlier. You being a Ravens guy, it seems like you've followed the clo- this NFL closely. He's the only last one left of these big quarterbacks to get signed. Do you think it happens? Even though we've seen the Ravens in the past sometimes let players go in their primes and just rebuild and get good players after that. Uh, rebuild with who? <laughs> Draft well is what I more what I mean, but yeah. Um. You don't let you, you the the salary cap exists because the NFL gives them the money, so you, they have to spend it. the the um, The NFL PA was like, you have to spend. I think you have to spend ninety five percent of it or somewhere. So they have to they have to give him whatever he wants, and and you know they should have forced him into a, a deal two years ago when they yeah. saw what he was. Almost like a baseball, right? The baseball players. They see for Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be a thing, and they're like six years away from free. You see, they give him three hundred million dollars, and that was the biggest steal in the world, mm. right? So now they're going to pay him fifty-five. They're going to pay him fifty million dollars a year. <laughs> it is what it is, man. It's, it's just it's, it's just you saying fifty million. It, it it just it's crazy. I mean, when you when you hear that, because when you were playing. These guys weren't making that kind of money. They weren't making anywhere close to that money. And now they're not fit, not fifty. But I think there was somebody at twenty five. Yeah, I think, was, I think it was. I think it was. It might have been Aaron Rodgers mm. that got to like twenty five. We were like, "Yo, there's no way it's going higher than that." It is twice that. Mm. And by the time some of these, you know, sixth grade kids are in these quarterback camps, wind up in the NFL, it'll be a hundred million dollars a year. They'll, they'll make. They'll make European soccer money. It's, it's coming. It's coming. Just, it's, just all you just throw your head. It's coming. It's, it's good money. It's good work if you can get it. You got to be really good though. Well, uh, if, I might as well have put myself and my son's going to be playing football too. <laughs> no, my son is not playing. My son is a my son is an IMG playing football now. Oh yeah, but he's a baseball player. Good and for he, him. He will be in the big leagues. At a very young age. Look at Jude, son now in professional sports. He was in professional sports. Uh, good for him. And what's his? What's your son's name? Trevor Price. Trevor Price. Yeah, you, you believe me? You'll about you'll hear him very soon. But there's a kid down there that does what now? <laughs> well, good. You know, we we interview a lot of young guys. We're actually going to be interviewing uh, Brandon Jacobs' son, who's a top end uh, offensive line prospect. We interview He's a lot of linemen. Yeah. <laughs> Six, listen to this, Trevor. Six, six, th- th- listen to this. 15 years old, six, six, almost 300 pounds already. And he's probably all muscle. And too. he's 15 dad. years old. Like his dad. Yeah. He's 50 pounds bigger than his dad right now. He's a lot bigger than his dad. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Trevor is six foot tall. Trevor's 250. He's 16 years old. Wow. Trevor, Trevor runs like a, but a son runs like a deer, hits the ball like, like, 
Like Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. Nope. Wow. And I don't know where he gets from because I can't hit a baseball. <laughs> I hit a baseball at all. I know nothing about baseball. <laughs> but kid just has power in his hips and his ass. I don't know what happened. <laughs> don't tell your wife that. That's <laughs> where he gets it from. I don't know. Your mother's legs. <laughs> so there you go. If the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, there's a future Aaron Judge in the wings. Oh, hopefully then <laughs> the Yankees <laughs> draft him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have the mother, you have your mom's hips and ass. Look at this thing. Look at the ball go. <laughs> That's the first thing I'll ask him. You know, your, your father told me that you have your mom's <laughs> hips and ass. <laughs> He'd be like, like yeah, my father I told do. you what? <laughs> like, yeah, facts. facts. My, daughter, my oldest daughter's built like me. My oldest daughter is six foot tall and plays tennis. Wow. So she's long and lean, but my son got, he got them jeans, but there's some muscle in them jeans. This is wow. All. He run. He probably runs a four six. He's wow! So wow! Plays middle linebacker. Anyway, um, so anyway, that's um, funny. Me and my daughter are talking about me and my She just graduated from Cornell University. Good for her. Congratulations! Congratulations! Yes, thank you. Uh, she just graduated, and I was like, <laughs> I said, Kari, <laughs> me, and you're gonna do a podcast, a sports podcast. You should. I she think you'd be like, great. She was like, she was like, make it happen, old man. I was like, well, I'm gonna try. So, uh, I think if you ever need any help with that, we can help you, man. I've been doing it for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, we're, we're not a podcast; we're we're a live radio show. But we've been we've been you know obviously brought radio shows and different people on our network, and yeah. and we can help I, you, man. Absolutely. I, I try. I, I try to. I try to like talk to everybody. Like, okay, Kari, live golf tour, go. <laughs> and, and and because she has an Ivy League education, she's saying a bunch of words. Well, yeah, juxtapose the people and live, and she says nothing. She goes off for ten minutes. And there's nothing in there that makes any sense. I'm like I'm like, you're perfect. You're perfect. That's it's true. It, with sports media and with what radio is now, it's it's really just entertaining people. It doesn't matter how you present it. It's really how you entertain. People are gonna hate you and they're gonna love you. It, it yeah. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not worried about that part. But I'm like, Kari, did you? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, watch sports radio. Like you just need an opinion. She's like, Dad, I don't know what I'm gonna do when this and that. It's a card. You argue with me every time I say something. You say the opposite just because I say it. So therefore, <laughs> we're gonna do this live on the, uh, on the air and see what the hell happens. And then I was like, "Let's practice." Mm-hmm. I said, "Sorry, live sports radio." I said, "Live golf." She said, "I'm glad you asked me that, Trevor." I said, "Don't do that." My agent told me, "Say, give me, you know, <laughs> said, get me half hour of your best stuff." <laughs> I said, I said, it will be a train wreck. No, <laughs> you don't love it. <laughs> what, you need to, what you need to do is you need to just start recently, re, secretly researching like three obscure sports and then challenge her. <laughs> but she knows all obscure sports. That's oh. the thing. She knows, that's what she knows. I'm like, we have, a fancy, we, have a, we have a family fancy football thing. And she was the one. She wanted the year Lamar Jackson became a starter. And when she drafted Lamar Jackson, everybody laughed. Like, yo, what are you doing? And she was like, She's like, watch. And sure enough, yeah. man, MVP. Yeah. So it was great. I'm sure she was jumping for joy. I bet you she texted out to everybody after he won the MVP. Oh, God. I told you so. She, 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 it was it was a absolute it, – it, it, we, we lived with that for one whole, one whole summer. <laughs> we, lived, we had to live with that mess. I, I definitely got to interview your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, my son last – Last year he he went undefeated in a fa- 
we had 20 people in our fantasy football league. Wow. First of all, I just learned how to play fantasy football. Because like Ray Lewis, I don't play fantasy football, I play real football. I don't know what the hell fantasy football is, right? So then he, we had 20 people in it. 20. As in, like people are playing back at running backs. This little mf went undefeated. I was like, how? I was like, how? Like, he'd be losing and then whatever kicker you had would get 20 points and win. I was like, yo, this is... And he just wouldn't shut up about it, man. So anyway. Yeah, they all like to brag when they win. They all like to brag. Say, hey, old man, you know football. I said, no, I don't know who those people are. Like, you, <laughs> you know who these people are. I do not. Give me Josh Allen. The rest of it, I don't really care. You love Josh Allen. I, that right. I do know. I do like a Josh Allen. I was a fan when they drafted him because you can't teach big, strong, rocking arm. You can't teach that. Those mm-hmm. are intangibles. Um, draft a guy with things you can't teach. You can't teach speed. You can't teach size. You can't teach talent. You can I can teach you where to line up. You know what mm. I mean? So. You were mentioning the, the the they didn't play real football players don't play fantasy football. I actually did read something though. There there was a league at one point. I think it was two thousand eight. I think it was Stephen Jackson, Larry Fitzgerald, Darren Sproles, and a couple other players too. Actually, did have their own fantasy well, I'm league. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of them play now. You know, no, I mean group. when they were playing at the time, I think they, they no, actually I, were. I, 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 but I'm sure again. Remember, a they lot of guys young. They grew up playing it, mm-hmm. so they don't stop because they're in the NFL. Right. right? Yeah, they, that, that's they, fair. They grew, yeah. they grew up. They grew up doing like, like if my son decides he wants to play running back, he's going to play running back in NFL, right? And he, you're like, hey, I play fantasy football. I've been doing this since I was ten. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, but when I played, I was like fantasy what? I don't know That's what I read. I read. I read about it. I was shocked because you're right. It's not really like that. Wasn't that big of a thing back then? But you're right. I think even now, like even Austin Eckler, I think came on a fantasy show and like t- told him all, to start a somebody of, or something all, like that. All of them know how to disconnect their brains from their job. We all know how to do that. We all know how to when we leave leave the facility, you become Austin Eckler. You know, you're not Austin Eckler the Charger. You're mm. Austin Eckler. So you can disconnect your brain and become a football fan if you're a football fan. And most of the, most of the guys you see in the NFL grew up as football fans. Mm-hmm. They grew up they grew up chasing the game, right? They want to be like the heroes. But just because you play in the NFL doesn't mean you stop doing that. Well, we that. really appreciate your time, man. Uh, and yeah. and really, who you are, man. We we we'll definitely get you on again. It won't be three years from then, but. Uh, we would love to if you're if your son wants to come on for an interview. We would love to interview him. He's at IMG Academy, believe me, and they will love they will put him on here too. Amount of money I pay that place for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> but we would love to interview him and uh, really uh, keep up with the good work, everything that you do. And I do believe uh, one of these days that you're going to get a phone call from the Hall of Fame and you're going to be nominated because I think your numbers are good, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, we'll, we'll see. I don't. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, you know. Yeah, of course. I'm glad people, have people that do get it. I really am. Because it, you know, it, it means something to everybody. It means something. I'm, what means something means I played against it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm old enough for my teammates and mm. contemporaries are going to the Hall of Fame. It's like, I beat that guy. <laughs> I gave, I gave Alan the business. Many <laughs> business. Well. Like, you know, the Hall of Fame? Well, he's, he's very good. Except against me. <laughs> yeah, you can tell him that. You, tell him I'll, you know what? I will. I'll say that. Him I'll, I'll, him I'll, him. I'll throw him a curveball. Throw, okay. curve, throw him a curveball. Yeah, 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 even though you know nothing about baseball, but uh, you know, I'll throw him the curveball. <laughs> twist the wrist. Twist, twist the wrist. Two fingers on the seam. Twist the wrist. Twist the wrist. 
All right. Thank you so much, Trevor. We really appreciate your time, bud. Absolutely, guys. As everybody knows, we were talking to Bron- ex-Bronco, Ravens, and Jets defensive lineman Trevor Price. Fantastic guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, funny guy. You know, yes. it, it started slow, and then it, it really got uh, interesting as the interview kept on going. And, oh, yeah. Uh, he has a great personality, as you saw. And, you know, nevertheless, what, what he has done, you know, in the league, his, I don't care what Jeff says or anybody says on the feed right over here. You look at his numbers, and numbers don't lie. He is a Hall of Famer. You compare it to Warren Sapp, his numbers are just as good as Warren Sapp's. If you're only five sacks behind Warren Sapp, that's Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, You're talking about interior defensive linemen do not get the same level of sacks overall. Maybe they do now with the with the rules changes. Maybe some of them got the got it back, but like overall, they're not always going to be. Except for John Randall at the top of the sack list, like top five all time type thing. But having 91 sacks and 100 sacks over that for an interior defensive lineman is insane. 440 tackles. Yeah, it's absolutely. Hall of Fame worthy. He had three seasons of double-digit sacks, including the 2006 season, which, if you remember the last time we had him on the show, he said was his best season, and he's right which, when you judge this. For a 3-4 defensive end, that is unheard of to do. I think Aaron Donald, I think, is the only one that did it in, in I think his second year in Wade Phillips' system. And, and you then, heard him. He could have played more. Yeah. He could have played more years and probably would have broke 100. I mean, John Abraham, I have no idea how he's not nominated into the Hall of Famer as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and I, I we've been trying to get John on the show. Like, uh-huh. I think John's just—I don't know if he 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 wants or wants to get into a, you know a, a conversation about Hall, the Hall of Fame. But Tease is good or better than half these guys that have made it into the Hall of Fame, and he hasn't even gotten a call to be nominated for for the Hall of Fame, which is crazy. I can't, there are so many, and I'm not just bringing up the Jets. How many Patriots? And I, I don't know why I'm even giving Snug and, and Jeff the opportunity to, to, to you know, raise their head up because, you know, because they're Patriot fans. But how many Patriots from all those great Patriot teams got into the Hall of Fame? How many of them? Yeah, it's a slower pace than I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. There, there are tons of good defensive players that came from the Patriots. A bunch of good offensive players that have come from the Patriots. Offensive mm-hmm. linemen, defensive linemen. And, and and really, how many of them have been into the Hall of Fame? How many are right. going to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, we, we discussed this like six months ago, yeah. too, and even Jeff was saying it, too. Like, why? Who cares what Jeff says? No, but we were all the agreeing. Guy, like, guy's how, an idiot. How long, why is it taking that long just because the team unit was good, just because you play with talent around you? You shouldn't discredit a Hall of Fame status. Mm. And the, a lot of those Patriots players, we were saying in that same boat, why are they not in the Hall of Fame? I will say this. You, you look at the NFL and the way the NFL and, and these votings, not even the NFL, baseball. I'll say it again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Albert Bell, who should be in the Hall of Fame. There, Jeff Kent, you shouldn't have to be voted. If you look at their numbers and, and, and you compare the guys that have gotten into the Hall of Fame, they're Hall of Fame worthy. They shouldn't have to be voted in. They should automatically be in the Hall of Fame. Not because you like them, not because you love them. You're Trevor. Some of these guys are, you know, they, they were good with the press, and the press right. loved them. So that's why they're in, and he wasn't. And and that I don't give a crap. If you have the numbers and you're compared to some of the greats, then you should be in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, he, I know he doesn't care. He says he doesn't care, but if I was Trevor Price, I'd care. I'd care. Yeah. I think, I'm, sure I mean, he, I'm sure he cares. Like I, I'm sure – 
I'm sure he cares even just internally if he even doesn't express it the same way other players have. And he expressed it a little bit with us too. But yeah, you're not going to say it publicly all the time just because you don't want to. You don't want to, I guess, discredit these Hall of Fame writers. But yeah, it's absolutely true. They're always going to be thinking about it. I, I think it's ridiculous. And, I, and if I was if I was a player that had the, the career that they had, and I'm just sitting there waiting for my call or sitting there waiting to just be nominated. For me to sit there and say, well, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't care, you know, but I know Trevor, I know Trevor Price cares. I, I care. I mean, I care for him. Yeah. You know, because it, 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 to have 91 sacks, dominate in a 3-4 defense your whole career, which is not easy to do, and played on, you know, defensive lines where you were the, you were the lead guy. You right. were the guy that mm-hmm. everybody knew that had to stop, you know. That would bother me. Yeah, he played. He played defensive tackle his first five years of his, uh, four years of his career, and then played to a three four end, then a four three a three four end with the Ravens for the most part. They were a little bit of a hybrid, but mostly three four end. And then he came to the, the Jets. Rex Ryan's defense, same kind of thing. Played the same position. So you're dealing with a guy that was mostly a three four defensive end his whole career, and he has 91 sacks. That's Hall of Fame. Here's a story: the Cardinals and the Giants emerge as the team to watch on this Juan Soto trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I will say this. Sitting here right now, I do not believe Juan Soto will be traded. I do not. Mm -hmm. I do not believe Juan Soto will be traded this year. In the offseason, probably. Yeah. I cannot see in the next, what, three weeks, two and a half no, weeks? No, it's not even. It's like six days left. Oh, is it? I, yeah, I, July I 31st, straight oh, deadline. July? Oh, that's right. They moved it back. Yeah. But six days where they're going to be able to move Juan Soto. There's too much riding on getting as much as you possibly can. You know, And, and by the way, Jeff, you say the Jets would have the most guys in the Hall of Fame, a whole lot of average. Here's the thing. Do you know that the Jets, Mangold and Ferguson are probably going to be nominated into the Hall of Fame very, very yeah. soon. The Jets are almost going to have as many Hall of Famers in the last 10 years as the Patriots. So what, what are you making jokes for? I'm giving the Patriots credit, and you're, you're making jokes and saying stupid things about the Jets. Nobody's going to, Here's the laugh. The Jets are going to have more Hall of Famers in the Hall of Fame in the last 10 years than the Patriots had. So, ha, 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 and the Jets haven't won a Super Bowl in the last, I don't know, 50 years. Back to the net, back to Juan Soto. I do not believe Juan Soto will be traded at the trade deadline. I believe it will be weighted, and, and don't put him through. He's no. going to have to wait. Okay. He's going to have to wait. And I, I know what he's going to say, and he's going to start his stupid arguing. I'm not going to sit here and, and argue with him. But Juan Soto is a guy that I believe is going to be delted, but not this year. I, I think it makes a lot of sense in the offseason when, um, obviously, uh, what are the winter meetings they yes. have? Mm-hmm. December something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll be a winter meetings thing where teams will be able to talk to the Nationals with Rizzo and, and figure out what works best for Juan Soto. What's work. And remember, it also depends on where Juan Soto wants to go. Yeah, Because Juan says he'll play for anybody. I don't believe that. I think he wants to go to a big city, a place where he can monitor and, and build his, his name and his brand. That's where he wants to go. Maybe it's the Nets. Maybe it's the Yankees. Maybe it's this. Maybe if the Yankees use Aaron, lose Aaron Judge, 
this year in the offseason, maybe the Yankees go heavily after Juan Soto right. because they, they believe they, they're missing that, that superstar piece in the outfield. Who knows? But it, it's hard to believe that the Nationals are just going to deal him in six days. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And if it does, it, I know a lot of Yankee fans are probably hoping it's the Giants because a lot of people believe the Giants are the lead team to get Aaron Judge. Yep. Because that's where he's from. He grew up a San Francisco Giant fan. He also grew up a Boston Red Sox fan, believe it or not. Yeah, you mentioned that at the beginning of the year. You know, he bo- he liked both teams, but uh-huh. he, he went to more San Francisco uh, Giants games as a kid. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was adopted, Aaron Judge. Oh, wow. So the fact is, you know, maybe he wants to go home. Maybe he wants to be closer to his family. I, I don't know what he's planning to do. But it, doesn't, it didn't sound like he wants to be a Yankee at the All-Star game. It, it didn't. And now, it, that doesn't mean anything. Maybe he's trying to drive up the price. I don't know. But if you're a Yankee fan sitting here today and saying that it's a, a sure thing that he's coming back, oh, no. I would say it's a, a 70-30 that he's not coming back. Mm. I just – he would have – with the whole arbitration thing and – it pissed him off that the Yankees waited to the last minute for that. And it's crazy when you're he, – he's been the face of the organization since Derek Jeter. He really has been – he's not considered the captain. But if the Yankees re-sign him, they'll probably give him the C. Right. Because, uh, you know, the, the Steinbrenner, you know, George said, you know, always believed that the guy that he believed was the face and, and the, the guy that's going to drive the Yankees' movement is the guy that he wants to make the captain. And Derek Jeter was the last captain. And the guy right before that is who? It was Don Manley. And after right. Don Manley, who was it? Before Don Manley, who was I it? I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> the catcher that passed away. Oh, Thurman Munson? Thurman Munson. Wow. So, and then, you know, obviously Mickey Mantle. Yeah. And then Joe D. You know, and then Babe Ruth was never the captain. Lou Gehrig, probably? No. I don't think Lou Gehrig was a captain. I don't think there was any captains at that time. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe it was too you new know. of a concept at that time. But, you know, that's the way the Yankees, the Yankees have done it. And um, I'm surprised the Yankees haven't picked a captain. I'm very surprised. Yeah, for an organization that definitely models itself like that, the way they do with the leadership, with kind of the old school roots type thing. Yeah, I'm definitely surprised at that kind of thing. But maybe they know something with the with Aaron Judge and a lot of their other players. They know. They know he's yeah, not coming back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of their other players – Maybe they haven't been there long enough. I don't know what the qualifications Everything are. Everything yeah. that he said at the All-Star game, I mean, it's. I, I know everybody says, well, this uh, he could be selling, it could be the opposite. I think he's trying to sell something where you have to believe that he doesn't want to come back. I think what it is, a lot of it maybe, is whatever decision he ends up making, he really doesn't want to go out on bad terms with the Yankees, even if it actually seems like that's the case. Because like you were saying, he's not happy with them waiting forever on the arbitration, which we've seen this problem a lot, especially baseball too, but also in football too with the franchise tags and all these holdouts we've seen. Yeah, players get frustrated on that kind of thing. So maybe that's a way to aid it if it actually feels to make the Yankees not look as bad, even if it actually is all right put them through all right jeff you are on you know i just wanted to thank speedy for giving credit where credit is due and acknowledging my argument 
that there should be far more Patriots in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. that they don't get the credit that they deserve. First of, all, wasn't ton- First of all, it wasn't Speedy. It was me, you idiot. You're obviously not listening, but that's that's okay. You like to throw well, curveballs at it, but that's great. Great, no, no, no. It great was that you know it wasn't. It up. Speedy, no, wasn't you? It was me. It was me, smartass. No, no, you don't listen was, to nothing. No. You no, don't listen to nothing. It, that just, just no, shows no, no. you how heard, much of stupid you are. No, I heard you say it, but Speedy was the one who was like, yeah. This I is referenced exactly specifically the, the six months ago debate. Yeah, or right, not debate, right, discussion. Exactly. There's a, there's a tons of Patriots that were really, really great players that don't get any credit. Logan Mankins. Yes. Was he a great player? Mm-hmm. Terrific player, but doesn't get any credit. No, no one talks about all the unheralded guys, the, the Teddy Johnsons, the Brewskis, right? Like, there's tons of tons of guys. I believe the playoffs should count for something, and they don't take those numbers into account. I believe Julian Edelman should be a Hall of Famer because he was big when it mattered the most. It doesn't shouldn't that count for something? I've stuck up for Julius uh, Julian Edelman ever since he retired. I've always said that he's a Hall but of there, Famer. But right, but there's a ton of guys that don't get credit, and I think that's because. It, one, there's a ton of people that just hate on the Patriots just for hating the Patriots because they were – listen, when you're the most successful team, it's like the Cowboys of the 90s. In the 90s, the Cowboys were hated just because they won. It was the same with the 49ers when they were winning. People were like, oh, I'm sick of this team. So people got tired of the Patriots and just loved hating them because they were always winning. But that much winning comes with great players. Right. I also right? – I also believe that the NFL and these voters, it's it's really uh, it's not it's not about the fans anymore. It's really about these writers. If they don't like you, it's not even writers with the NFL. They have ex NFL players running yeah. running the circle and uh, uh, Hall of Famers, uh, Hall of, whatever they are, the Hall of Fame committee, the yeah. Hall of Fame committee. I can't sit here and tell you that when they're sitting there and voting and you're trying to compare, let's say, Trevor Price to some of these guys, and, and you're going to tell me that Trevor Price – how could you not nominate this guy? This, guy's, this guy did everything. He even won two Super Bowls, and he was a big part of those defenses when they won those Super Bowls. And how this guy isn't in the Hall of Fame and Warren Sapp is, is ridiculous. It, it, I'm sorry, I like Warren Sapp. He was a fantastic player, he really was. He won one Super Bowl. One. This guy won two of them. And, by the way, the year that they won the Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl, he had like 15 sacks. Mm. I mean, it was a big part of their, their, their Super Bowl run, too. How is he not there? But, you see, it's all about a love-love game. And the NFL and the, their committees are like, well, he wasn't a big name. The press didn't like him. I, I, and I know I give Trevor, Trevor Price a lot of credit on the way how, man, you know, how he, you know, he stayed composed. And he doesn't, right. you know, he didn't really sit there and say, you know, I agree. He said, I agree. I think I should have been nominated already. And then maybe one day when I'm dead, they'll, they'll realize how good I was. And they give me an opportunity to go and be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And my kids will accept it. I can't sit here today and say that when I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these guys and comparing. I had six guys up. Six of the greatest pass rushers of the last 20 years. And you're going to tell me that Trevor Price isn't anywhere close to them? It's, it's wrong. It's wrong. And the NFL is wrong. No, he was a great player, but you know when you're talking about more Jets in than Patriots, I think that that just has something to do with people just hating the Patriots. Because for me personally, and I know everyone just hates Tom Brady and like that kind of thing, but 
is there a is there a really hateable patriot? Is there a was there a patriot that just had a tough relationship with the media? Because that's really what you're talking about. It's the writers and stuff that vote for these guys and stuff like that. So I can't think of a a, a patriot that was difficult with the media like a Barry Bonds would have been or or someone like that, right? So like I don't understand why more patriots aren't in the Hall of Fame. I. Again, we can go back, and I'm not going to bring it up, but you know, it's not the Patriot. It's not the Patriots' players' fault, but it was the organization as a whole. They were caught doing things, and that's why people hate them. I, I don't. But a lot of it was made up. Yes, a, a lot of it was, but a, a, some of it wasn't, and that's why when you sit here today, and that's why the Ravens, and we all know about the John John Harbaugh, and and. And his thoughts to, you know, what the Patriots do. And they like to try to find a seam that is legal but not, not legal in the NFL. And he says that Bill Belichick's always trying to find a way to kind of hide or, or try to figure out ways that he could cheat and stuff Loopholes. like that, which is not yeah. – what, but which but if, is not true. But if, that, but if that's the case, right, if that's honestly the case, and I'm, I'm not saying it isn't, every other team in the league, literally every other team in the league, the Bills, the Jets, the Browns, everybody – They've all been caught taping other teams. Yes, right? I'm not even but talking only, about that. But, I'm not even talking about that. No, no, no. But only the Patriots get mentioned. Yeah, right? and that's so because like, they so win. When you're, that's so when because you're, they win. So when, you're, so when you're, I mean, literally everybody has done it. You could go to the website, yourteamcheats2.com, right? And they literally name all the violations from every team. So it's like if you really look at, like, what they're holding against the Patriots or things like that, it's things everyone else has done. So why are you holding against Patriot guys getting in the Hall of Fame when they were literally the most successful team for 20 years and they have, what, one Hall of Famer? Mm. And listen, there'll be a few more because Brady's definitely getting in. I believe Gronk will definitely get in, right? Yeah. But those are the only two that you look at and you go, no-brainer, they're in, right? But there's a ton of other dudes that should get in, a ton. Yep, I I agree, and that's why when I started – not speedy, when I brought it up and I said, well, you know, the NFL has always screwed around with this and I brought up the Patriots. How many Patriot players from all those teams, all those Super Bowls, how is there only like five or four of them going into the Hall of Fame still? And that's it from all those teams and all those great dominant teams. That's all. Teddy Bruschi wasn't good. He wasn't good enough. I'll give you another guy that absolutely dominated the league dominated his position and nobody talks about him being one of the best ever at any period, but he was literally the best player on the Patriots for the entire time. Vince Wilfork. Yeah. Where's his love? Mm-hmm. Best nose tackle in football for a long time. Best, I mean, if it weren't for Aaron Donald, wouldn't he have been the most dominant guy at that position? Yeah. And I think that's another thing. Great too. find by the way, by Bill Belichick when he found him. I think it was in the third round, right? Oh, yeah, it was a first-round pick. He was, was drafted he? like 18th, but good call. Really? He was a first-round? I, I didn't know he was a first-round pick. I didn't know that. Okay. That's one of the things, too, that, uh, I, that know. I know Trevor was mentioning a little bit when we were talking about the Hall of Fame, too. And I think a lot of these positions that aren't necessarily flashy get disrespected, in a sense, too, with that, too. We were just talking about with the interior defensive lineman with Trevor when we had him on. Like, Trevor is, like, I think eighth all-time in sacks among interior defensive tackle, interior defensive linemen, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I think some of those other things don't get mentioned just because they're that. And I'm not saying every, like, 
trenches position is going to get like that. But like a lot of these other offensive linemen too that just got in too should have been in a lot earlier too. Like it seems like they only a lot of the times only reward the most dominant running backs or corners on defense or edge edge rushers too. Not as much as those other non flashy positions. And same kind of argument we had with the special teams too. Like how these only dominant special teams guys haven't gotten in either except for a couple. Mm. I mean, I think I think the reason why a lot of Patriots get overlooked, and this would be my biggest reason for saying a lot of Patriots get overlooked, because Bill Belichick did trade away uh, Ty Law, and they didn't miss a beat. They did trade away Lawyer Malloy, didn't miss a beat. They did trade away Asante Samuel. They did trade away uh, Richard Seymour. And really, the team's production didn't go sideways because Belichick always found another guy to plug in. So I think it kind of, like, I think his greatness in being able to take different guys out at different times and plug another guy in and have it work detracts from some of the other players actual greatness yeah. like Vince Wolfwork was getting triple teamed every play and was still great right you know it's so interesting no for Vince Wolfwork I'm looking at that 2004 uh class drafted with Vince Wolfwork how many hall of famers Eli Manning Larry Fitzgerald, <coughs> Philip Rivers, Sean Taylor, Roy Williams, D'Angelo Hall, Ben Roethlisberger, Jonathan Vilmer, Tommy Harris, Sean Anders, Will Smith, Vince Wilfork, Stephen Jackson, Jason Babin. I mean, Chris Snee. I, I, there are a lot of great players. Yeah. Bob Sanders wow, yeah. in this draft. I, I mean, this was uh, our Darnell Dockett. Bottom squad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a good draft. Not bad for the third round, though. He's such a smart ass, but two of the two of the best safeties that we didn't get their full uh, careers. He was drafted. Vince Wolf. I mean, you know, drafted twenty one, twenty one. You know, not not for nothing. And I I realize he stunk with the Giants towards the end of his career. But who was that stupid pig that played left left tackle for the Giants? Um, uh, I played for the Jesus. Oh, the play for the play for the Patriots. Why why do I why do I keep thinking it's Mike Brable? And I know he played defense, but no, who's the left tackle that just went to the Giants? Just went to the Giants? No, well, a couple of years ago. He signed a huge contract from the Patriots. Oh, Marshall Newhouse. No, no, no. The other no, one. The other one. Left no. tackle. The other one. Oh, Nate Solder. Nate Solder. Nate Solder. Yeah. Nate Solder oh. was a great Patriot for 10 years. Mm. Yeah. He had an amazing career. No one talks about him. No one talks about Logan Mankins. No one talks about Vince Wilford, Teddy yeah. Bruschi, Ted Johnson, yeah. any of those guys. Listen, I could name a current Patriot who is one of the best defensive backs in all the NFL and no one even puts him in that category. What about Devin McCourty? Yeah. Devin McCourty's been an well, unreal Well, he's not retired forever. yet. He's not retired yet. Right? No, it, I, I realize that, but Gronk he's going to the Hall of Fame. Either. Devin McCourty's going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great safeties of the last 15, 20 years. Uh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, well, his I numbers mean, are all I mean, you say, you say that, but no other Patriot gets any credit either. And even when people today bring up great safeties, his name doesn't even pop up on any list. Well, because quietly he plays for a great defensive mind, and uh, obviously he gets uh, – Bill Belichick gets all the credit, not the players for some reason. Yeah. I don't understand Well, but why. that's the problem. Right. That's the problem, and there should be more Patriots in the Hall. They've had a ton of great players and don't get any credit for it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've said that. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> it wasn't speed that brought it up. After we got off with Trevor Price, I brought up Trevor Price, and then I brought up the Patriots and, and why – all these great Patriots and all these championships that they won. How are none, only four or five guys? Just think about it this way. In the last 10 years, 
Okay, we're going on. What is it? 2022. Mm-hmm. So we start in 2000, uh, uh, 2000, uh, 2015. Mangold and Ferguson are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Darrell Rivas has already been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Curtis Martin was inducted into the Hall of Fame. There will be more Jets inducted into the Hall of Fame than Patriots have in the last 10 years. Which is a, which is crazy. a crime. Which is which crazy. Which is a crime. Which is crazy. And, and, by, and by the way, that's not to say that the guys you just named weren't great players because they were and they're very deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. But the fact that you can pick five Jets from an atrocious team that never won a goddamn thing and they're all in and then you're you're trying to figure out who could be a Hall of Famer from the from the greatest dynasty the game has ever seen. Right. I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, that's the NFL, man. I can't I can't sit there and harp on something I have no control over. All I can say is I bring it up as a story and maybe somebody else will bring it up in conversation so they can argue it because it doesn't make sense. That's all I can as, say. Although although there is an argument to be made that those Jets accomplishments are considered to be even greater because the guys around them were such trash that to that to achieve the things that they achieved, you had to be really great. Yeah, Mangle was a great center, and Ferguson was a great tackle. He never missed, I think he missed one game in his yeah. 10 or 11 years, which is unheard of for a tackle. I mean, and then Darrell Rivas, I mean, probably second best corner to ever play the game. I mean, some people will argue he's the best. So, I mean, Tom Brady says he's the greatest, greatest deep back he's ever played against. And, and definitely the more the most uh, competitive. So well, he said he was the second greatest D back that he ever played against. You Ed could Reed, say he's the greatest corner, but but he, yeah, but he was really praising Ed Reed as like the greatest defensive back. Like he, you know, he was like, "We're playing the Ravens. I'm go- I'm in for a tough time." Well. I, I, Ed Reed, I mean, if you get him put in the same discussion as Ed Reed, I mean, and I love Troy Palomalo. If you want to ask me who I'm, my favorite safety I ever watched, as good as Ed Reed was, I like to watch Troy because he always had those that long hair. He always did the crazy things, trying to wait for the, you know, the the call at the line of scrimmage, trying to jump yeah, the just line. Jump everybody, yeah. Jump the line. I mean, the guy was fun to watch, and and those are the guys <laughs> you learn from. Yeah. You know, one of the things that really sucks uh, just about life in general, and I and I realize um, in, in this instance, I guess I'm making a football a bigger deal than it should be, considering Sean Taylor lost his life, and that right. should be first, and that's terrible. Greatest but, safety, like, you, you I just, You just think about what would have happened with his career mm-hmm. had that incident not happened, and it would have been and, – and I respect Sean Taylor for, like, a whole different reason because he might have actually laid the biggest hit you've ever seen in a Pro Bowl. Yes. And the fact that anyone gave a shit in a Pro Bowl, aces, bro, aces. Right. Well, Sean Taylor, it's a shame what happened to him. And, and I thought he was – I remember when he got shot, and I, I thought he was going to survive. Everybody said that he was, he, he was alive and kicking, and then all of a sudden, you know, 24 hours he was gone. So it, it's crazy how quick life is, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. And when you look at – Guys like Sean Taylor that played the game and played the game hard no matter what it was, a pro ball, you know, a regular season game or a playoff game, which he never did. Uh, it's, it's amazing. He was an amazing player. He really was. I mean, go watch, go rewatch that hit in the pro ball. It was beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. It was, I mean, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately that happened. So, you know, you it's only guessing going forward, but he was really promising and was probably going to have greatest a great safety career, I've but... watched in, in the five years or six years that he played. Greatest safety I've ever seen. I'm, 
Uh, I'd still take Ed Reed. I thought Ed no, Reed no, no, no. I'm not saying unreal. Ed Reed's career, but I, I, I mean, when I watch Sean Taylor play, I mean, the guy was special. I, 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 that's the only thing I could. Speedy doesn't remember it because he really wasn't uh, old enough to remember. Uh, yeah, I saw Sean, like two years of him, Sean Taylor. But I remember Sean Taylor. He was fun to watch and he was played, crazy, yeah, and, and and played for a terrible organization. <clears throat> yeah, so. We, we, we all know that, and, and still playing in the organization that he was playing for, he still showed up every day and put up, and everybody shut up when he was on the field. So it, it's, it, you know, it's a shame what happened to him, and uh, hopefully his kid, you know, can live on with his, his you know, his legacy, and his legacy is, is that and, he, he was what he was. And shameful of Speedy to have missed the obvious, by the way, because it's one of his favorite players. When you were talking about guaranteed contracts and Trevor Price was saying uh, that one guy is the only guy he knows who got a guaranteed contract, Speedy. Damn it, you missed mentioning your favorite guy, Kirk Cousins. Fully guaranteed, my man. Oh. My apologies. I was letting I was letting Trevor do do the listing there. I gotta give he, I gotta I gotta give Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, is, Kirk Cousins was the first fully guaranteed contract. He was the trendsetter. He was the he was the one that broke that ice, man. He he needs to get credit for for being a trailblazer for the players. Yeah, he's a trailblazer, all right, and he's uh, running to the bank. Well, when you do something like that, that's huge for the future of the league. Once one person does it, everyone else can point to it and go, well, if he got it, I should get it. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's crazy. Even Trevor, I I told Trevor, I was like, could you imagine the money that these guys make now from what you played? And he's like, hey, listen, there'll be a time that they're making $100 million, these quarterbacks. So he said, get ready for it. It's going to happen. He was shocked at really, 25. I was told the NFL was, is losing money. What happened? I, I don't know if that's possible. Every year I'm told the NFL is losing money. Yeah. What? <laughs> Who said that? Who do you think said it? Is he, he's attacking me. What else oh. is known? What, what, what would he would do without attacking me? You know what I mean? <clears throat> Yeah, I should have noticed that. Yes. He literally, Speedy, he literally said to me on the phone the other day, it was hilarious. He goes, now Amazon's going to be bidding for games. Yep. Well, the NFL's going to be losing money. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I mean, Amazon's taking away business from them. I'm not talking when about you get, No, wasn't the, get, well, hold on, hold on one second. When hold you on. get more bidders in a bidding war, does the price go up? Or I didn't the say the down? NFL. I said CBS and NBC and ESPN. Now you're bringing Where up things. I never said the NFL. No, I did not. I now I'm gonna I want to protect. No, I didn't. I said CBS. They're taking business away from CBS and ABC. What do you mean? Who cares about it? That's what I said. Now you're taking words out of my mouth, like you always do, trying to throw me under the bus. That's why I. That's why I sent you the picture of the NFL making twelve billion dollars, which was up six percent, and laughed at you. Yeah, the NFL is losing money. Mm. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for calling. Yeah, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to prove you wrong. Yeah, good for you. Every time. Marcus Smart still could stinks, you, though, right? Yeah, could Not you hang even up the top phone? 10 defender. Could you hang up the phone? Jesus Christ, Speedy. When I tell you I'm done, it's done. Why do you keep him on longer? Jeez. Maybe you should do the show with him. And listen to his garbage half the time. I mean, you sit there and smile. You think it's funny. I think he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He takes words out of my mouth half the time. Telling me that I said the NFL lost money. No, I did not say that. I said CBS, ABC, and ESPN are going to lose money because Amazon is taking business away from them. And that is true. So say whatever you want, Jeff, because of your stupidity, your attacks on social media, whatever you do. It doesn't bother me. You're an idiot. 
That's all, Manny. Snuck says Warren Sapp didn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback either. Yeah, well, again, but that doesn't mean Trevor Price shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. That's a, that's a bad argument for that, too. Uh, Snug says, I don't think it's possible for the NFL to lose money. Kirk Cousins is living a charmed life. Yeah, probably. And Boston, yes, new title town. I well, would love to see Speedy and Jeff do a show. That would be very interesting. One reason why is Jeff wouldn't even let Speedy talk. One. And two, Jeff doesn't shut up. So... Great show. Great listen, by the way. I would love it. The only thing I could say that Jeff sometimes has is is good takes when it comes to funny and and personality. That's it. Anything and I and in college football. Everything else that he says, he tries to take words out of my mouth and throw me under the bus and tell me I'm an idiot and that statistics mean nothing, which that's not true. No, that's far from true. Uh, so whatever. Jeff, say whatever you want, and and I do not use stats for everything in my arguments. So it, it's wrong, and you're an idiot for thinking that. But again, I, I am dealing with an idiot from Florida or Tampa or where the hell he's from, Rhode Island or friggin' Massachusetts. Okay, a Boston lover. Him and you know what him and Snug should do? They should, you know, obviously go out to dinner with their, you know, Snug's cats and, and enjoy. <laughs> A nice little, uh, you know, little hairball or something. I don't know. Marcus Smart isn't even a top 10 defender. Why? Because I said that in the, the middle of the season because I felt that he wasn't. And because I was wrong, I'm always wrong. Jeff, there are things that you say every time that we've gone an argument that you are wrong. And I, I don't attack you the way you attack me. But you want to know something? I don't care. Anyways, um... Uh, there was a story coming out in the last two weeks uh, that the Jets have reached out and are interested in Jesse Bates from the Bengals. Now, the Jets, I think, are 34 or $36 million under the cap right now. They could make a move for Jesse Bates. The question is, is Jesse Bates the finishing piece to help them get over the hump, to get them – into the playoffs and be a contender. I don't know. To give a guy that kind of money. Now, obviously, Zach Wilson, they don't have to pay for another four years. So I don't have to worry about Zach. But there have other fish that they have to pay at the end of this season. There are players that are going to be uh, free agents coming, going into their final season as, an, uh, as a New York Jet. Now, they, they did give uh, – who's the pass rusher they gave in the middle of the season, defensive end that they gave? Um, John Franklin Myers. John Franklin Myers. They gave him a lot of money. Yeah. Okay, they gave him $50 million. I think they gave him 20-something million dollars guaranteed, $28, 29000000 million guaranteed, or something of that magnitude. It's a lot of money. And John Franklin Myers is going to benefit more of Carl Lawson coming back this year and obviously Jermaine Johnson because that takes the pressure off him in that he can play his normal position, which uh, he hasn't done since he's gotten that contract right. from the New York Jets. So I'd like to see what he is capable of doing when the Jets are at a full front seven. But Jesse Bates, he's one of the top three safeties in the league. Safeties, ladies and gentlemen, don't help you win championships, okay? I, I want to sit here and he'll say Devin McCourty, you're wrong, or some stupid stuff like that. Safeties don't win you championships. They don't. A matter of fact, safeties get overpaid, when you see Jamal Adams and some of the guys. Who's the kid from the, the Giants? Langdon Landon Collins. Landon Collins, who got overpaid. <laughs> leave, leave it to Washington to do that. <laughs> but 
listen, if Jesse Bates really becomes available and the Jets make a, a move for him, don't overpay for Jesse Bates. Now, if they get Jesse Bates, do, do the Jets have arguably the best secondary in football? You can argue it. You can argue it. Doesn't mean that it's true. I, but is this a good move for the Jets? I, I, I'm intrigued. The question is, what do they have to give up to get him? Mm. You know, and that uh, Jesse Bates is a first round worthy, first round pick worthy. Right. Are the Jets willing to give up a possible lottery pick for him? You know, I don't know if that's a smart move by the Jets. Mm. You know, so that's that's something that the Jets have. Now, he, they, they could if they can get a second round, if they could trade him for a second round pick, I, I would do it. Yeah, I would do it. But a first round, and being that the Jets could be positioned this year, more than this year, because they, I think they're a year away from being a contender, you're giving up a, a top-end prospect. Right. So I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's definitely wait until the price could drop, too, if there is frustration with the Bengals organization. I think the Bengals will ultimately end up signing him. But so if, do I. if they don't, then maybe that's where the price could drop, where they, it might fall to a second-round pick. Because you're right, a lot of the ones that have moved recently have gotten first-round picks. First of all, I'm, I'm sorry to cut it. He says there's no lottery picks in football. Anything from the top ten are lottery picks in my eyes. Why? Why? Because they're not considered lottery picks. You're not going to say they're lottery picks. They're lottery picks. Be quiet, Jeff. You go sit. Go sit on your sofa and shut up. Stick a Twinkie in your mouth or something. Go eat something. Go stick a golf ball in your mouth and pretend <laughs> that you're playing golf. So the two safeties that did get moved, that did get first round picks recently, were Jamal Adams. You got the two four, and then Minka Fitzpatrick from Miami. Usually, lottery Pittsburgh. picks, by the way, in basketball and hockey are top fourteen. Top by 14, the way, yes. So, it, but I would say ten in football are lottery picks in my eyes. But go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say those. Jamal Adams got the two first round picks, and Minka got the one first round pick from the for the Dolphins. But beyond that, none of them have really been traded for big prices that high. But at the same time, they have gotten big prices and have demanded big prices off of years that aren't exactly great either. Minka Fitzpatrick just got paid off probably his worst year of his career, which is very interesting. You've seen a lot of other safeties too recently. Eddie Jackson got paid a lot of money. Kevin Byard off a kind of a down year for him got paid a lot of money. So it's a very weird market the way it is. Now, Jesse Bates' franchise tag right now is almost $13 million what he's on right now. So he's going to ask for a lot more than that. So his contract is going to crack probably into the top three. And Minka Fitzpatrick's contract might be merit of something if he wants to be pushing for the highest paid. I don't think if the Jets were to go for him, they would make him that because they want to, the way Joe Douglas is, they want to try to balance out the contract. So if he wants to get that money, it's going to be for a team that likes to swing for the bigger contracts and fill in other players later. And I don't know if the Jets are that kind of team. And it doesn't seem like the Bengals are that kind of team the way they built their team either. So I think if he, I think they'll end up staying with the Bengals, but I think he'll end up getting more of that third, fourth highest paid, kind of in that Justin Simmons range contract if they do end up paying him. But I do think the Bengals will pay him. I think he's going to stay the stay with the Bengals, but only time will tell. And I'm sure, probably Bates is right now not practicing with the team. So makes sense. Um, I I'm very intrigued and very interested to see what's going to happen with this Jesse Bates thing because. If Jesse Bates is going to sit out for when OTAs really start to start, and the Bengals are going to have to figure out what they're going to do with him because they don't want a player of his talent to sit out. And where he's at his highest point right now, he, he played so well last year. Uh, he helped his team go to the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, you know, 
he, he falls apart. It, you know, it, they fall apart and they don't sign him. I think it's a big mistake for the Bengals. So what yeah. I think the Bengals need to do is if you know you're not going to sign him, start shopping him and see what you can get for him. I also think the Bengals are at a point, too, where if they lose him, that secondary all of a sudden drops to not even just average, maybe below average if they don't have him there. They don't have a lot of great corners to begin with, probably outside of Mike Hilton. You have Von Bell, who's a good safety but not elite. So that's a big loss if they end up losing him. I think the Bengals are stuck to the point where maybe they have to overpay for a little to keep him if it gets to that point rather than even trade him at, the, at that point because – the Bengals are built well everywhere else, pretty much. Their, their offensive line got better in the offseason. We know their skill players are good. That's really the last area of just unknowns. I know they drafted Daxton Hill, so maybe yeah. that's merit to say, all right, let's Supposedly trade Supposedly Daxton Hill is supposed to be a pretty good player. He's so. a good player, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they can use him in so many different roles, and you have to really kind of force him to play day one if that's the case, which I don't know if they were thinking of him as being that type of player, impact player right away, like we saw with, like we saw with a lot of the other safeties that got drafted in the first round recently. Recently. And you're right, it's not a premier position where that kind of thing is prioritized, but the way the Bengals are structured, they might not have a choice really to, besides doing that. The Jets, if they're in that situation, they do because they have all the secondary depth. They don't necessarily need a top-end safety to make it work with all the corner That's depth. why I don't, I don't make this move. As much not as I know— Not for a first-round pick, no. Now, now that I, I, I look at the Jets right now, is Jesse Bates the missing piece that's going to help them get over the hump? And it's probably not. Their defense is going to be good this year. Yeah. I, I think they're maybe uh, one or two defensive players off. Uh, I'm, I would say linebackers sure. off where they you're going to be considering them as a top five defense for the next few years. Now, they're a fairly young team. They're building a young team and building through a unit where Robert Sala knows that these guys are going to be together for the next five to six years. And he'll be able to coach them and get them where, if he's still there, get them where he believes they're going to be as an organization. But – um, it's interesting to see this whole story break out. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to have legs. I, I think one way or another, I, I, I believe that the Bengals will figure this out. Yeah. I thought the Bengals had a, an agreement with them four yeah, years. Yeah, seemed like it. Four years, and it looked like he was going to sign. And then I guess, uh, you know, Bates, wanted more. Bates wanted more, and Bates believed that he was be- he's better for- than the offer that he he got. So yeah, and I wonder if Minka's ca- contract because it just got signed too. His only about a month ago, maybe had something to do with it. And again, he I, I, the way he played, he played better. So maybe he's basing that as the merit for it as division rival, young safety, same draft class type thing. And again, he was a big piece of a Super Bowl team that honestly doesn't have a great set of secondary pieces and really led the way in that that back end of that defense. And you're right, it's not a premier position too so for him to do as much as he did with that is impressive yeah i think that this story won't i think after the next couple of weeks i think ota start what in a week and a half some some teams start training camp this week is it this week or next week some teams start them this week yeah it varies the jets i think is next week okay yeah some of them start in august some of them start in like thursday i think it is yeah it it, it always varies with each team but yeah some of them next i know i know i know both i think the jaguars and the cardinals have started already and i think there were a couple others too well, and, and as you know, uh, the Cardinals are going to be the face of Hard Knocks yeah. uh, for the regular season. Uh, who's who's the face of Detroit? Was the face of the middle the, the season. summer yeah. for the summer? Uh-huh. So I'm interested, to, and I, I think Detroit's going to be fun to watch this year. I really do with some of the acquisitions they've made, uh, the draft that they had. I think they're going to be fun. I really do. 
So maybe we'll hear the Baby Yoda reference on the Cardinals Hard Knocks. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> now we get the origin. I didn't even know they called him the Baby Yoda. That's interesting. Really Trevor did. Price, nickname reference guide. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he knows all about the nicknames. Yep. He's still with this lottery thing. Him and Jeff. Uh, it's Nug and Jeff. They got nothing else better to do than talk about this. When I m- mention a lot, it's not even funny. They, you know what's so funny about these two idiots? They sit there and they mock everything everybody else says. But when they say something, they think they're always right. I can't, I can't do with listening to them. You know, honestly. They'll call me a moron, but when <laughs> half, half the radio waves, they have their own thoughts and their own common you know, thoughts to the arguments. And, and then these two idiots think that you have to be 100% right. It, it's just ridiculous. Anyways, um, Matthew Kachuk traded to the Panthers. Uh, Flames get a haul. Uh, Speedy, I, I, obviously a lot of people thought what, you know, knew what I thought because I posted it on social media. What did, what did you think? Yeah, you actually nailed it on the weekend crunch when you said the Flames are going to be asking for a lot because they missed out on Goudreau. They're going to push harder in this kind of trade. And boy, did they get the result that they really – I didn't think they could have even gotten anywhere. Mackenzie Weger is probably a top 15 defenseman in the league. He's a guy that hits, block shots. He's a great passer. And then Jonathan Huberdeau was just a Hart Trophy finalist. The Panthers, I know they had to shed some salary cap. That's understandable. We're not in position to trade all those guys off right away. And the Flames, who they were a team that was kind of thought of as they were good but needed a little more depth or they needed to balance out their lines more or they needed to be more physical, just did all that in this kind of move. And they got a first-round pick and they got a good prospect. The Flames, I think, absolutely fleeced Florida. And Florida, for a team that just won the President's Trophy, not only did they get rid of their coach – that got them the President's Trophy. Now they just traded their second best or best defenseman and their healthiest defenseman and a guy that was just a Hart Trophy finalist and then paid Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk could be a great player for that money. I think he's worth that money. But is it being the team better? You've got to be the face of the team. You've got to be the face of the team, and you're going to have to elevate everybody else because they're not, they weren't even thought of – like I know they won the President's Trophy. Were they thought of as a team, like as a top-ten talent? They they gave remember they also lost Claude uh, Claude Giroux Claude Giroux too yeah. who they traded for I, I forget how many how many picks they traded for Claude yeah Giroux. I think it was a first and a third or something like that yeah I mean they lost him for nothing yeah so and he went to Ottawa yep. so uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know what Florida is doing yeah I, I I when I looked at this trade I was like wow yeah and I I don't know much about Uyghur, but I I know a little bit about uh, the the offensive style of game that they had last year and. And what they like to play, I I was very surprised they gave up their best offensive player from last year, and their arguably best defensive player. So I I, I don't know what Florida's doing, but yeah. I, I, but again, Florida's been an organization that's always failed. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. The last time they were in the Stanley Cup Finals was when Van Beesbrook was in net for them. I think the last time they won a playoff series before this year was was two thousand three or something like that. <laughs> like they. They don't develop goalies well outside of Van Breesburg when he came, when he came there. That's like really the only one they had in mm. a couple of years of Luongo when he was there a little bit, but that was really it. Yeah, they never could keep a stable team like getting even in the playoffs multiple years in a row. Mm-hmm. They the the Quenville situation. You seem like they botched it. Yep. The hire. Then they bring in a coach. President Trophy season. They get rid of him for who knows what. Well, they had to. They had to fire their coach Quinville because of everything that yeah, happened in Chicago. Even right. though. I think if Quinville was there, I think Florida beats um, Tampa. 
I think they do. It's possible. I think they do. Because Quinville knows how to win. He's won, what, three Stanley Cups? Yep. So he, he's done it before. He understands. And that team was breaking records when Quinville was there. I know they, they won the President Trophy, but really they won the President Trophy for what they did in the first half of the season. Right. And that had a lot to do with Quinville and, and the way he ran his team. So uh, very surprised how they lost like like four or five big pieces to that team in the offseason. Absolutely. It just seems like teams overreact in weird ways where Florida has to realize, okay, they weren't expected to win the President's Trophy. Could they have been like the second or third team in their division? Probably sure. But nobody expected 116 points. Nobody expected them to do what they did with an interim coach, nevertheless. Mm. And then all of a sudden you trade two core pieces for Matthew Deshock, who's a great player. And I think he is. Yeah. But does it help your team that much? Should you have been in the runnings that much for that to be worth it? Just to stabilize your salary cap a little is, I don't know, that's a bit puzzling to me. I feel like there's other ways they could have manipulated it where maybe they could have restructured some contracts. I know Sergei Bobrovsky's got a pretty big one right now, and he's kind of playing in, not not a platoon role necessarily, but like a 1A, 1B with Spencer Knight, who's a good young goalie. So maybe there was something they could have done with that. And they're still not a great like overall deep defensive team. And now they lost Uyghur too, which is going to hurt them a, a lot when they don't have the much depth to begin with. Mm. And they made some trades at the trade deadline, too, and I think lost all those pieces, too. So they just can't keep anybody, and then they just lose two core players to go along with it. They better hope to Chuck elevates not only one line, but, like, everybody on that core top six. Did you hear about that Mickey Mantle card? How much was that for? Well, right now uh, it's 9.5 when it comes to the corners. I was reading about it. It's almost a perfect card, almost 10 wow. out of 10. And uh, they believe it's going to sell for over $10 million. Yeah, I was tracking it. Last time I checked, it was seven something. So, wow, it's up to almost 10 now. That's what they believe it's going to sell at. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Uh, My grandfather had the same Mickey Mantle card. It's not anywhere in the same condition. Makes sense, yeah. I think it was like, I I don't even know what it's graded, but if I were to grade it, maybe a five, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Well, yeah, the yeah, authenticity level is not going to be the same with right. this one now. Could you imagine that? Right. <laughs> Owning a card of that magnitude. Imagine it was signed. I think it might have. It might dip if it's signed. It's not worth as much. Oh, yeah, because of the mint condition. Ruins, yeah. Because it ruins the card. Yeah. I, 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 it's some, so weird when you hear that kind of thing with, like, the formality of if you open something or if you, if you alter it, like, if it's something, like, Something that should be bigger or should be smaller. You know that what I would weird. like to see? I'd like to see the beeve kick the hell out of Jeff. You know what? I would love to see it. <laughs> I'm sure I, the beeve I, is very encouraged I, I by think that. I, honestly, I, I would I, I would have the beeves back if it happens, okay? Because I would love to see it. And I think I, you want to know something? I, oh, I'm, the beeve I, is going to be so on board if that's the case. I, I would have his back. You know what I mean? Because I would love to see this guy just get his ass whipped. I really would. You're, you're going to be the Beavs' personal trainer or boxing coach or whatever. I'll tell you what. It'll be a tag team. It'll be me and the Beavs versus Snug and Jeff. <laughs> I'll see how quick that fight happens. Uh, little chickens hide under their little tables. Snuggle just, just hide it. Little uh, babies. Platter of cupcakes. <laughs> Cry me a river because I would love to see it. I, I would love it. You, you put any money on the line for that, I would love to get that happening. Anytime they want to free, they like to talk. They like they have to be the big bad wolf on these fees. <laughs> they like to be big and bad, huh? Well, let them two idiots go against me and the beef. I guarantee you, I guarantee a win. How's that sound? And I'll, I'll tell you what, and to make it even more funnier, 
The beef will, I'll make sure the beef wins it all. I, I won't even have to do anything. <laughs> okay? You're going to you're gonna fight his way just to get it, just get him the final KO? The beef wants to kill. Dude, oh, I know wants, he does. The beef wants to kill <laughs> he was the first thing. It was like one of the first things he said at, at your party. He like, wants to if kill I ever, him. If I ever see that kid, I'm knocking him the F out. Yeah, he'll kill him. I don't know if he'll kill him, but I know he wants to. Oh, I know he does. I know he wants to. And Snug, you know, he doesn't like Snug for what he said about his family. But right. I know he would like to take his licks on him, too. You know? Oh, sure. You know, but it would be fun. I think you want to make it. You want to make something happen. Make that happen. I would love it. Jeff and Snug, the two. Tough guys that with their cupcakes and eating yes, um, and You would probably go out and tap out and go eat cupcakes. Yes, yes. Them, that's what we were saying. We were you're going to be stuck in the house of cupcakes until you get be, get it blown down by the big bad wolf. So you better yeah. build it up well, Snug. That, that's what they are. I, I, Jeff's the big bad wolf, and and Snug is the pigs. You know what I mean? That's what they are. He, Except they're allies. So yeah, they're allies. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I mean the like, whole plot twist. <laughs> it's ridiculous. These two idiots. They talk a lot of crap on, on a feed, but they, they're not tough. They're just tough on the phone, tough on everything else because they think that they know and they like to attack people. But I listen, uh, I would love, I would love rent-free, rent-free. Yeah, uh, rent-free snug, yeah. I'll give you rent-free. I'll give you <laughs> rent-free. the house of cupcakes? <laughs> you're just, I'll you're give stuck, you rent-free. Totally it's like saying, LOL, I'm totally the pigs. Yes, except you would eat your house of cupcakes before it blows down. I'll give him rent fee. Yeah, he'll be giving me his rent free. <laughs> when, no, he'll give me his rent fee. How's that? Rent fee. There you go. You know what I mean? Because There's the charge of the house of cupcakes. After that whole thing. I mean, hey, listen. If these guys want, they, everybody keeps talking about Jeff and Tyler. Why don't we have Jeff, you know, Jeff and the Beeve and uh, me and Snug. You know, we'll be their tag team. Well, we'll do that. We'll do this real, and it won't be wrestling. It'll be a real thing. We'll see. We'll, we'll see who comes out the winner. You know, and we'll be on no talking and open air mouths because they think that they're <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, you don't. It'll be have... whoever shuts the other person's mouth. <laughs> yeah, you don't want one of those weird. Uh, what is it? Post pre pre fight things you see in the boxing or whatever. All those bad interviews that they usually have. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not whining about anything, Jeff. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not whining about anything. I'm just I, it's the the beef wants to challenge you, so why not make it a double team, a, a tag team? Oh, the beef's been the beef's been coming for him for who knows how long. Josh being the guest. Oh, oh God. God. I don't know. Josh would probably join you eating the cupcakes, Snug. No, he wouldn't. Josh would come on the come on this side. I I know it. He'll he'll pick up a chair and whack one of them with a chair. I know it. You know? I don't know. See, Josh could be a neutral party. No, he wouldn't be. I don't know. He wouldn't be. The, the beef was was doing the thing with his sister. He wouldn't be. He'll whatever, say he would. His, his wife's he, sister. You see, it's so know. funny because Josh would say he was neutral. Okay. But when it came down to it, he wouldn't be. So you think he would pull for the beef, even though the thing with his wife's sister? Oh, because the beef's on my team. You yeah. Know? Okay. He, he would pull on this team. Gotcha. Uh, Josh, you know. He, he, He'll he'll say he likes Snug and he says he likes Jeff, but when it comes down to it, you, you know who where his ally is, you know. So, I, I don't think you want Josh to be the referee. So, <laughs> Josh would be the referee. I, I, I would I would honestly look for a neutral referee that can help you out because it's going to be a quick one. I'll, I'll tell you that. Snug says Josh would come off the top rope with the elbow. Yes, you would probably need that level of force like to swing down. Well, like, he does like the Macho Man, so. 
He does. Oh, was that, was that his thing? Like that swinging was his off a rope? Wrestler. Okay. Macho Man did the. Uh, I don't know wrestling, so I'm just I was curious. Like so, he swung down from like a rope from a high high elevation. Oh, a snug one's Lyle. Lyle. <laughs> yeah, of course. Lyle you will do. have this. Lyle have their side. Oh I yeah. Snug loves Lyle. Of course he would. I think he would. I think Lyle would be on his side. I, I do. I, w- I wouldn't be afraid of Lyle. <laughs> Jeff loved Lyle for one day, and then just started hating him since. <laughs> I wouldn't be afraid of Lyle. Are you kidding me? Oh, no. I'm not saying I would be either. They can have Lyle on their team. It'll be a I, handicap I'm not, match. I'm not saying anyone on your team should be afraid of Lyle either. They can have him. He could be a handicap player. I don't care. <laughs> Three on two. I don't care. Maybe Josh and Lyle should just go in like some kind of costume and just stand, stand we'll on each other. We'll have a Survivor Series. Oh, 11, 11 feet tall, one person. We can have a Survivor Series, you know, at Thanksgiving. Oh, just... We'll have four. Four fighters on each side. Real fighting. They'll have Snug and Jeff and Lyle and whoever they want is their, th- their fourth guy. And it'll be me, Beef, and Josh on the other so side. So, like, the modern equivalent of, like, some Roman gladiator thing? Yeah, why not? I don't care. Well, I mean, you would they, definitely win that. It's just... I think we'd win, period. It doesn't matter. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know you would. I, I think we'll win, period. It doesn't matter what the combination is. They can have whoever they want. They'll yeah. still lose. So I, I'm very confident about that. And even if they cheat and they try to pick up something and hit me with it, and I'll, I don't care. You know, I have so much determination. Actually, I don't hate Jeff. I really don't. I don't hate Snug, but, you know. The beef does. He hates a both. Oh, I know. He hates a both. So big vendetta. I'll have the beefs back, and you know, I'll back him up. You know, it'll be fun. Any day they want to do this, they, <laughs> they can pick it. And I'm not. I'm not Tyler, by the way. I I, I have no problem. <laughs> Snug says I just got Chuck Norris. Well, you better you better hope he doesn't change his scoring old man like Chuck. He, are you kidding? Wait, me? How old is he? Right, Seventy Snug, years old. Hold on, Snug. You better hope he doesn't change his scoring though, like he did when he was a dodgeball judge. <laughs> just remember that. How old is Chuck Norris, by the way? How old is Chuck Norris? That would be good, interesting. Chuck but... Norris. That, that's that's a good that's a good one. Chuck Norris. What is this like? What what's that movie called? Double Team or whatever the hell he's with uh, Jonathan Brandis or something like that. Sidekicks. Okay. He's 82 years wow. old. Wow. No, I didn't even expect he was that old. 82 years old, Chuck Norris. Um, wow. I'll take that, I'll take that bet. <laughs> what, what I, what I got to do, kick his legs out for him to fall apart? <laughs> Damn, I would have never thought he was 82. Chuck Norris is 82 years old. Are you kidding me? Wow. He was born in March 10th, 1940. Okay? Damn. He's older I was, than dirt. I was, I, I was thought he was like his early 70s. I did not think he would have been 82. He's by older now. than dirt. What the hell do I need Chuck Norris for? Sucks as Chuck Norris, Texas Ranger. Um, you're going to need him. You're going to need to go like a. You're going to need to like go back in time, Chuck Norris, or something like that. Well, yeah, of course. I would. Uh, just, <laughs> that would yeah, then I'd be worried. Yeah, Chuck, I was going to say, that's worried. a whole different animal. <laughs> I'd be worried if it was a young Chuck Norris. But. Yeah. It's not your best bet. Like I said, better hope that he pulls off his move in dodgeball and starts changing the vote in your favor. But if that's the case, we would have to start investigating so you, you for paying Chuck him off. Chuck Norris, um, I'll get an old guy. I'll get a funny guy because he'll, he'll be talking crap. I'll get Cedric the Entertainer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit younger and fatter. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. Cedric the Editator. 
Stuck <laughs> says. That would be my, uh, what do they call that, um, guest, you know, partner or. Yeah, my, celebrity. Uh, celebrity yeah. partner. Stuck says, Chuck Norris doesn't have a bear skin rug. He just has a bear that wandered into his house, saw Chuck, and was afraid to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff uh, uh, I see what he says. Uh, 15 minutes of Earl whining. This is must watch. I thought I said winning at first. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, I am winning. I'm winning in the arguments like I always do. And he's whining with. Uh, you know, his, uh, I don't know, his little bottle in his mouth because he's a little kid, a child, talking. When somebody says something with Jeff, anything that doesn't, you know, fit what he likes, anything that he doesn't like, he'll, he'll attack it till the end. But I'll sit here, and when he says something, I don't even go back and talk about it. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't care. No, you don't. You know what I mean? I don't care what he says. But, again... I'm not whining. I'm just telling you facts, and facts are facts. And that's all I'm going to say. No, Jeff, there will not be a lottery. We already made teams. Yeah, let's have a lottery. Unfortunately, Jeff, it won't be me and you on the same team. I'll be sure to, you know, put the Stone Cold Steve Austin. What do they call that? The Stone Cold Stunner? I don't, again, I don't know wrestling. I'll call, I'll that, call. That, that is a Josh question. I'll, <laughs> call, it the, right I'll call it the Rolo Stunner, okay? <laughs> the Rolo, that's good. I the like that. The Rolo Stunner. You know, it'll be done. It'll, you'll be done. How's that? The Rolo Stunner. No presenting the Rolo Stunner. Yeah, I did win the NFL lottery, actually. You know, and I'll be going at number one, my friends. So, uh, Snug, you are not going to want my dog. 41 years old next year. <laughs> Snug, you are not going to want my dog on your team. <laughs> He'll start humping somebody and lose. Oh, that, that would be good. You yeah, know? but he's He'll not going to benefit. Jeff. He'll be humping Jeff. <laughs> Jeff will be back there at the at the ropes, and all of a sudden he's grabbing Jeff's leg. That'll be our, our secret weapon. Yeah, except, except it's, he's going to be so random and not smart about it. You're not going to know. You're not going to be able to train him for that kind of thing. He's just not like that. He's just going to do it so randomly and just won't be worth it, Snug. It would be pretty Trust funny. me. It would be funny for a little bit, but it would not be worth it for the incentive of the goal of what you're trying to pull off, Snug. Oh, well, again, Snug would pull off anything that has anything to do with food and cupcakes. That's about it. As far as Jeff is concerned, he'll do anything just to piss somebody off. That's what he does. That's what he's good at. My argument is, is I want to see the Beav and Jeff go at it. So Jeff wants to challenge Tyler. Challenge the Beav. Challenge the Beav. Beav. I think the Beav would do it. Obviously, he absolutely would. (laughs) When somebody says something, I don't know if that means he's going to do it. I don't know. Because I've seen people. I'll trust your judgment with the beef because you know. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I don't know if he's going to live up to what he says he's going to live up to. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll trust your judgment with the beef. You've known him for a while, so. I do, but I don't know. I I don't know him like that. Like, if somebody says, like, if you told me and you're you're telling me, I'll get you, I'll fight you, blah, 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 or just, you know, whatever. Slap box you or anything. I'll do it. I I have no problems doing it. I'll take the challenge and whatever. Whatever happens, happens. I just don't know if the beef's like that. Stark says, the Beave would love to be humped by Speedy's dog. First time anything has ever been interested in him. <laughs> well, that would be the case if he tried some kind of like well, fighting The Beave had move. a girlfriend, believe it or not. He did. The Beave had a girlfriend. Before, before he met me, he had a girlfriend. He was with her for a significant amount of time. Mm. And uh, obviously, he's no longer with her, and he's been single for quite a few years. But he's a, he's a good guy, the Beave. He really is. I, I know a lot of people like to make fun of him. And, and yes, his takes are... Interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Believe me. We'll never let li- anybody's let- takes. I mean, I've listened to, when I listen to sports radio every day or not, I don't listen to it every day anymore. But when I listen to sports radio, when I get a chance to 
there are takes that you just listen to and you're like, you shake your head. I can't believe you just said that. Everybody, that's sports media. That's what sports radio is. It's supposed to entertain you. Right or wrong, it's, it's, it's a curveball. So what does it matter what you say? And as far Some as Some people just love attention. <laughs> well, I, I, I think well, because I called the NFL draft the top ten a lottery because maybe there's no lottery draft like the NHL and the NBA do. You look at the top ten. I'm not the first person to say that. I've heard many analysts say that the top ten in the NFL is a lottery. It's a lottery pick. You know, you're, that's the NFL lottery. Even though, like, it's not about winning. You, 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 you're lost, and whoever has the worst record has the, the top draft pick. But after, you know, after week eight, everybody's trying to lose because they want to win the lottery. That's the whole point of it. But you see, Jeff wants to make it more than what it is. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be that from a technical or systematic standpoint. But, yeah, it doesn't mean the value of the pick can't be similar. Again, it doesn't really matter, but that's Jeff for you. He likes to throw the ball, and, and hopefully it hits the catcher, but most <laughs> of the time it doesn't. So, Yeah. Snug says, I want to challenge Kenny to a weed-off slash munchie what eating contest. What is going on with Kenny? I haven't heard from Kenny in a long time. I haven't heard from Kenny since he asked us to do his, like, 20-minute like show that lasted forty minutes and have you checked out if he's still doing that show? I don't. I wouldn't. I don't even remember what it's called. <laughs> like I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know at it's that point. But he had her and him and that that woman from Wisconsin or whatever. He and yeah. it was supposed to be like a twenty minute thing, and we were on for almost an hour. What was his show called? I don't even remember now. <laughs> I wonder if I if he ever does call again, we'll we'll get all these answers. We need to know what is going on in the secret life of Kenny. I know I Slug know. wants to know. I don't know if he even has Facebook anymore. I don't I even know he's never friends with him on Facebook anyway, so I wouldn't know. You have to, Stuck says you have to bring Kenny in studio. Yes, we are waiting for that for his four-year overdue. I hope he's still alive. <laughs> well, yes, there's also that possibility. But he does owe us a turkey dinner from four years ago, Kenny. So, yeah, he has to come into the studio at some point with our Thanksgiving meal that he promised us in 2018. <laughs> Snook says, Kenny, happy smoke show. Yeah, he's a smoke show of invisibility until he actually shows up with our turkey dinner. From 2018, and the, we weren't even meeting, supposed to be the only ones getting it. It was supposed to be other shows, too. But nope, not anymore. I'm still trying to look for him to see if he actually still follows us. I, I, he doesn't follow me, but I, I don't... <sighs> I don't know if he has Facebook anymore. I think Kenny's. Kenny Kenny's just went gone. full off the grid. Yeah, I think he has. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Snug, maybe you could go figure it out. Maybe he was going like living in like some woodland hut. Kenny Rayner, here it is. Oh, you found him. Kenny Rayner. What is going on in the life of Kenny Rayner? Let's see if he's posted anything recently. Right. Well, let's figure out what two year old sports take. September take. 14th, 2021. Okay. Ken TV. Ken TV. Does he actually have a video post of a show or no. just says Ken TV or listen to Ken TV? But he hasn't posted anything for almost a year. So that's, yeah, that's September, September 14th, 21. That's, yeah, that's 10 I months. I hope he's alive, yeah. man. <laughs> yes, that is the one thing we will never know because we think he's either on an alias now or completely missing or, again, off the grid completely. Snug says, call Kenny live on the show. Yes, Snug, I'm sure that is the dream for you. Snug says, is the beef planning to fight Kenny too? I don't know if he has any vendetta specifically with Kenny. Because I, I don't know when they would have been on the phone at the same time. Because it's only just recently we started doing the two phone things. So I don't know if he's ever even been in contact with them. I don't know if this is his number. I don't know if this is the Kenny. Huh? It says Kenny. 
Kenny. I don't know. I, I don't want to take a chance and just call it. Okay. Kenny is in prison with Miami Heat. <laughs> oh, Money boy. on their books. Miami Heat. There's a real blessing. Whatever happened to him, too, man. Oh, my God. All right. I, I, I had some kind of argument with him about the Dolphins in 2018. When after they beat the Patriots on that miracle, and he said they were going to be a playoff team, and I said they were going to lose their last three games. That was the last time I remember hearing from him. The last funny thing I ever heard from him, he was on a cruise ship. Yes, I, I remember that, that too. That was the third and long from like a while ago. I yeah. got to find that show because he called up the show, and he was so messed up. Oh, yeah. I, I think I was there. I, it was one of our third and longs from like, the summer of like 2018 or something like that. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> oh, Kenny. Oh, he's coming? Oh, no, no, Kenny. Oh. <laughs> uh, he did answer. He says, <laughs> good. Uh, I, I got to ask Kenny if he would. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? We want you to come on as a guest. We want you to come on as a guest. Snook says he was always drunk. It was great. Yeah, that was, I wouldn't rule that oh, out either. Oh, the Kenny return. The Kenny return to our airwaves. <laughs> yes, Snook says, Kenny, we love you and miss you. Ooh, now the real question. Well, wait. We will, uh, we, I will reach out to Kenny, and I will get Kenny to come. The great us. mystery of will you actually show up. Now, the real question is, how many two-year-old sports takes will he come on with? Or will he actually be current this time? The last time he was on, he was talking about Eli Manning, yeah. who retired a year before that. So. And something with the Yankees, too. Like a player they, they had in, that they traded or something. And he wasn't on the team anymore at that time. We all miss you. <laughs> Snuck says, OMG, the Kenny return will be the most popular show ever. Wow. Yes, I'm sure it'll be your favorite thing ever, Snug. Yeah, well, he's writing to me, so. <laughs> there is him? hope. He is not in uh, completely off the when grid. When he gets back to me. I mean, uh, hopefully he's not going to call up smoking, you know, the. Oh, well. well, well you're, you're, he said, yeah, you okay. You have way too high of expectations for that. He said, yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> says, he kind of thinks he sees some half meals ready for a big year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much at this point. Why not? I'll reach out. That's what I told him. Mm. All right, so there is hope that he is not living in some random underground hut or some, like, random cave that is frozen over. No, it's, it's funny. Amy Day, but Monday. Any day but Monday. He said Amy Day, but... All right, well, good to know where your uh, grammatical skills are at, but we didn't have much uh, expectations for that anyway. Snuck says, ha, 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 I hope he smokes a couple of different things. I hope not. Yeah, what a, maybe the two years, he, the, since the last time we talked to him, he's developed six new more kinds of wax. Interesting. Tuesday is good. So we're going to get Kenny on next Tuesday. Kenny return on Tuesday. We will get the Kenny return next Tuesday for all you fans out there. No, not in studio. If he comes, he I'm has to come with that a, turkey dinner. I will get him on the video chat. I will have Speedy write to him and reach to him on a video chat. Yes. Yes. Right. It'll be a cam. Yes. Oh, yeah. We need to see what he looks like and on cam and... Hopefully with that turkey dinner, but I have low expectations for that at this point. After well, I'll bring it up to him. Oh, well, yeah, of course we got to bring it up to him. It's been almost four years. 2018, oh. he was supposed to come with not, like a whole Thanksgiving meal. Not the case. And, oh, 
and what was it? A painting too? Yep. Yeah. He owes me a painting. That's right. I knew there was something else too. A, tr- a turkey dinner and a painting, an exquisite painting of Errol. That's what it was. Mm. From 2018. That would be very nice in this I room do not right want now. him to paint a picture of me. That's okay, I don't know if it was of you specifically, but it was something you wanted. <laughs> a, a painting of something that you wanted. Uh, Snuck says, Speedy, he's going to bring you an uncooked hungry man probably dinner. Right. Yeah, that sounds about that's right. probably right about that. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. It was a great show. Uh, thank you to our guests. Uh, uh, Dean of the Knicks Film School, Jonathan Macri, was very, very good. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us and giving us the time. Also, we, are, uh, we were very happy to have Trevor Price on again. I believe a Hall of Famer, so yes. uh, I definitely am interested. What he said, I don't need to travel to Long Island, right? <laughs> no, Kenny. <laughs> we still want that turkey dinner, though, Kenny. <laughs> uh, that'll be fun. Um, thank you. Thank you to all the fans that listen to us. Thank you for Jeff for calling our show and pissing me off even more. Uh, but uh, uh, I will not be here on Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. Joshua Silverberg will be filling in for me with Speedy um, 8 to 10. It won't be 9 to 12 next week. It'll be 8 to 10 uh, with the different guests on Thursday. Uh, so it will not be me. He will be filling in for me. I'll be doing uh, a, uh, an event in New Jersey. So hopefully the show goes well. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it does. And Josh gives, uh, you know, gives you a different look of sports media. So I'm intrigued. Definitely am. Carl, Carl will be ready for the two-part questions for the guests. We know that. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, Josh's return, you know, and doing a show. So, yes, the, the triumphant return of Mr. Silverberg. But it won't be with me. So no, uh, it will be with Speedy. So he, he'll be joining and talking sports and all that other stuff. So I'm intrigued to hear what uh, Mr. Silverberg. But he'll talk a lot of baseball, so get ready for it. Yeah, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. Our first guest is baseball, too, so that'll end up helping. Anything with the Mets. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, Anything that'll help the Mets. Now he's uh, so ecstatic with this Contreras rumor. So uh, we'll see what happens. He believes the Mets are going to make the most moves. At this point, trying to fleece the Cubs is not a bad idea. I've mentioned I wanted Wade Miley, though, to help out that relief catching. They get Contreras, they're going to have to give up one or possibly two top prospects. So good luck. Yeah, catching market is brutal as it is. You you might have to give up Alvarez for him. And somebody else, you know. I don't know about Alvarez, but you definitely. Why? You're going to you're gonna get a catcher. You're going to you're going to go after a top end catcher. Why would you keep Alvarez? Yeah, I, I, I know. I know. I get that. I get that positionally, but in terms of like the value, the true value of the prospect versus the true value of the player, I don't know about that. It's going to be a lot, but nevertheless, I I, I still want to stand the stick with pitching. Two relief pitchers would be very nice right now. Well, the, the David Robinson's another name yes. that's coming into it. So. Mm-hmm. It, I, I would expect if they're going after Contreras, they're going to re-sign him, so they're going to trade Alvarez. He would be one of the pieces that they're going to move, which is crazy. The, all these trades, Alvarez's name has been the lead, uh, you know, the lead team. So, uh, I mean, the lead player that of they're course. trying to trade, which I, I don't understand why. But it's like we were saying with the safeties. It's, it, the catchers are very fluky. They're not exactly – I mean, it's, it's a little more of a premier position because it helps the pitcher and they need to call the game and stuff, but – in terms of like how many good catchers there are really in baseball, there's not a lot of them, and they get hurt a lot, and it's so fluky the way it is. So I don't know if I want to give up somebody like Alvarez for that kind of thing. I know Contreras has been very un- – he's a very unique type of player, but still, I don't know. 
That seems a little bit much. Again, thank you to all the fans. I will be back next week. Listen to the Weekend Crunch on Saturday. It's going to be a great one. Um, and uh, enjoy, Josh. I, I might call up when I'm driving. Ooh, so. I love a good surprise call. I might call up. So it, it might be something or maybe a video. We'll see. But uh, all right. I'm interested and intrigued to see what uh, Josh has up his sleeve. So uh, definitely stay tuned. Um, again, I will be back the week after. Um, that's it. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.